This is the one with a refulgent doctor. A Lovecraftian soul eater of stellar proportions. A cranky granddad. And a sonic boom. It's called The Rings of Akatan. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> We're still on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. We're slipping and angels now. Dalek, Cyber, Zood, and wow. Counting Sonic's rating apps. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whitaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join, Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be. But who back when? Who back when? Good evening, podcast land. Welcome to an episode of Who Back When? A Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. Doc Past it is. We are here talking about N096. The Rings of... A Carton. <laughs> or, as they're referencing the show, Akatan. <laughs> what? What? Why do you say... <laughs> Why? Why are we here? Why do you say a garden in this way? He never says it like that. Leon, explain. I'm so confused. Right. Oh, hi, by the way. I'm Leon. So, the, the, the <laughs> in re-watching this the other night, it dawned on me that it's not pronounced a curtain at all. <laughs> and I not frankly have no idea why we've been saying a curtain, but I much prefer it. It's all you. I thought you were doing it by analogy to, yes, I spend all summer in the Hamptons. Except <laughs> it's not even the Hamptons. So I don't know where you got this from. I don't care. It's wonderful. Thank you, Leon. Uh, you're more than welcome. <laughs> this is the first of many retro rewrites. <laughs> so, yeah, quickly, that that was Leon's idea. Hi there. Leon being one of the guest stars. Hello. Oh, what a segue. <laughs> Who are you? Back on track. <laughs> <laughs> what a pro. The other voice we heard just then was Drew. Back when? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the previous voice we heard was Marie. Hello, that's me. You just said my whole name. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, what have you left it to say, Jim? Come on, supposed to be an introducer, an MC. You're not supposed to hog it. I am incredibly confused right now. That's because you don't know who I am. I'm Jim. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Now we all understand who we're talking to. Good and stuff. about and with. <laughs> so we are talking about rings of a carton. A carton. A carton. A carton. A carton. But a carton of what, milk? <laughs> Where did you get those earrings? Did you get them at earrings of a carton? <laughs> yeah, so. Should That's just, my rating as well. Should we maybe also <laughs> add, just for the record, that the last couple of episodes that we recorded of Who Back When, we have specifically said when we record our review of Rings of a Carton, mm-hmm. we are going to get absolutely shit-faced. And oh. spoilers, podcast land, we've had a head start, so <laughs> <laughs> bear with us. Apologies for the intro. <laughs> if you're a completely new listener, maybe check out a different episode first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you listen to this on your commute to work, maybe save this up for like a Eurostar trip to the south of France, because we don't know how long this is going to take. <laughs> Sorry, back to you, Jim. <laughs> well, I was going to say, for bonus points, if you want to have a couple of shots on hand, oh. feel free to play the Rings of a Carton mm. drinking game. Oh, Jim! <laughs> oh, Jim's come prepared. Which is oh, basically, brilliant. have a drink every time we say a carton. <laughs> oh, yes. I By like now, it. some of you are pretty much gone yeah you only just told them to get started <laughs> shall we jump into a b-scale let's do that one 
Time for us to synopsize, lebify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call it a bite-sized chunk of who. The Doctor has decided not to wait any longer for the prequel movies of Clara's life and takes a sneaky trip through time to spy on her as she grows up. He observes the moment a randomly drifting leaf brings her parents together, ultimately leading to Clara's birth and the death of Clara's mother, which leaves said leaf in Clara's custody. History spoiling escapades dealt with, the Doctor decides to take Clara wherever she wants to go. Her response of, something awesome leads to a course being plotted to the rings of a carton. A ring-based solar system with a shining pyramid at its centre. While wandering around the market from turn left slash the basement from Starship UK, Clara happens upon young Mary Galil, a runaway repository of the entire solar system's folk memory, whose raison d'etre is to undergo a musical Logan's run for the good of the galaxy. Guess what? Clara's promises are full of shit, as Mary manages to screw up her song four words into it, maximum, thus wakening ancient powers that only the Doctor can extemporise a defence against through sheer egotism, which, it turns out, doesn't work either. B-Scout over, you are welcome. A carton? (laughs) (laughs) A carton just. (laughs) I have so many questions. Who has questions? I have questions. Why don't you want to start us off with a question, Leon? What, a question about the rings of a carton? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I've got a few questions about the ending. Does anyone have questions about the beginning or the middle? I do have a question of why the hell the Doc goes and snoops on Clara's life. Yeah, is it a bit creepy when Doc is snooping on little child Clara and... I never really considered that. Yeah, it's super weird that he spies on her when she's a child. Yeah, he's a full-on space-time stalker and any mother worth her salt will be like, wait, my daughter kicked a football into your face six years ago i met you in a prequel recently when i told my daughter not to hang around strange men and except except you except you except you and now you're (laughs) mooching around my grave which i can see because i'm hovering above it because i haunt this graveyard so fuck off dude (laughs) and um and he basically well i didn't do the same to amy pond but he met amy pond when she was a little girl and then shot forward into a present and it's just that's arguably going to be a pattern but isn't that arguably less improper than what he's doing here yeah he's he's in, like infringing upon her very private moments such as her like his sorry not, her, not her his, very private moments no no not those private moments her like, public private moments he goes and like stalks her and her same age dad at the cemetery. <laughs> her dad is so young. Her dad is her age. Yes. Hey, he, he has a little bit of grey. Come on. That's bullshit. <laughs> it's the grief that keeps you young. Those tears, they moisturise your face as your, as your wife gradually <laughs> dies of whatever the fuck she died of. Because oh. who cares? Because at least the mother's out the way because Doctor Who. I don't know if... It's quite that callous in this one. Is it? I don't feel like it is. Ah, Rory's mum never got a send-off, and now Clara's mum just has a blank tombstone. I also feel like there's an implication that the dad isn't around any longer, who gets even less of a send-off. Yeah, we don't meet him oh, again, that's true. do we? Yeah. Maybe he blames Clara in some way, or he can't bear to look at her because he just reminds her too much of Ellie Ravenwood. Maybe he killed his wife and is now on the lam. <gasps> That's the only plausible explanation. Yeah. I think so. Wait, you know what? This episode just got a little bit more interesting. <laughs> Do you know what? That's why he looks so young. Because he's like, if I look like I was too young to be her husband, the police will never catch me. 
Isn't that interesting, though, that he he clearly considers her more interesting than I mean, other companions? She's, possibly? she's a mystery. Yeah, impossible. The impossible girl. You impossible. Even For a second, I'd forgotten that she was the impossible girl, and I was like, Doctor, you are just being a, a big weirdo now. Yeah. And then it kind of made sense. It's like, oh, he's checking that she's she didn't just drop out of the sky. She has had her whole life. It's all right because he said the word refulgent. He did. He did. Yeah, that's definitely a word that should be brought back. And we all know what that means. I had to look it up. <laughs> I haven't looked it up. Can someone explain? <laughs> Go on, Leon. Let's hear what you got. Brightly shining. Oh, isn't that appropriate? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Twinkle, twinkle, refulgent skull. Does the fact that she has a parent, like, heritage and, and was a baby and was grown up, does that mean... What does that mean? Because didn't she have... She, oh, other Clara also had a history. She wasn't just plopped there. She'd been there for a long time. Do you mean Victorian Clara? Yeah. I thought Victorian Clara was a shard of Clara. Wait, isn't this one? Oh, wait, is this real? Oh, yeah, of course. This is real Clara who is then splintered into a bajillion shards. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. I don't know. I just don't know if it proves anything. Wait, what are you trying to prove? No, I'm not trying to prove anything. She's trying to prove that the writing measures up or doesn't. One or the other. Well, what, just in terms of Clara and her backstory or this know. episode in general? I don't know. You just want to talk about Clara so the, the former-ish, really like the latter. Yeah, not really. I did <laughs> really like Clara's mum. I think she was very well cast. Okay. Because she had black hair. Yeah, and, <laughs> and brown eyes. Well done. People have understood <laughs> phenotypes. <laughs> you know what? I kind of thought the uh, most important leaf in human history bit was sweet. Oh, I thought it was so overblown. Only, I mean, oh, I'm thinking about the beginning bits, the, yeah. where, where, he, where the dad has kept the leaf. I thought that was yeah. really sweet. Yeah, yeah but I when, like he's, that too. when he's saying the exact same leaf, at the exact same way, at that exact moment with the precise wind and the precise branches, and she's going, yeah. oh, for fuck's sake, we could be on sloppy seconds by now if you just got me inside. The small talk portion is yeah, supposed yeah. to be post-coital. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I, I still think that's sweet. It could have been so much worse. It could have been like, oh, here's the condom that broke here, but... Put this in your... <laughs> but in general, I think that was sweet. And in, sorry, in general, I gotta say, not as disappointed by this episode as I thought I would be. I just said it. What? The, I hate the this episode and it's no one... Yeah, the rings of a curtain. You know what? I'm gonna jump on the back of your hot take and yeah. ride it to the end of this episode because I also wasn't as disappointed as oh, I dude. thought. Chin, chin, oh Drew. Chin, fucking chin. There we go. Who this else? Is, Who else? Oh Who is anyone with this? This is making my day because I actually really enjoyed this episode. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> hang on, hang on. I wouldn't go that far. No, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. No, no. Marie, it's still shit. I know. <laughs> I know you wouldn't go that far. I was expecting you to tear it to pieces and I was expecting to be on, in my own. This on, is a preliminary judgment at best, Podcast Land. On my yeah, own in the corner going, actually, it wasn't that bad. But now everybody thinks it wasn't that bad. Yay. Oh, you wait. You wait. Jim. 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 It's all oh. hinging on you. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. Oh, there we go. Let's see what we say three hours from (laughs) now. But wait, here's the real test. Okay. Is it the occult? Did you like the child, Leon? Oh, okay. I shall read from my notes. Oh, no, a child actor, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, okay, she's pretty good. Uh, (laughs) I actually thought she wasn't, like, until the very last few scenes. Singing notwithstanding. Yes, this was my main issue with the child, is that she basically has the one job. And it is to sing in tune, and it just wasn't good at it. I, I think they just... 
Well said. <laughs> yeah, I think they just got a little bit too um, excited with the whole singing thing in general and didn't know how to write for her range. Yeah. I think she yeah. could actually sing okay at the higher ranges, but they get given her loads of low ones and she just true. couldn't keep in tune with that. Because at some point she was really good and at some points I was like, ooh. I think at some points yeah. she was overdubbed by oh, an adult. Do you think? Oh. I think that's why it didn't match up. Oh, really? Yeah, I believe so. Am I the only one who thinks that the singing should have been cut out of this episode entirely? You are not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> good. No. <laughs> this Thank is goodness. a reverse Highlander situation. <laughs> 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 the bit that annoyed me most about the singing no two things the, the <laughs> hang on wait two minutes <laughs> the Spanish Inquisition they're coming <laughs> so, take a second you may think of Ted <laughs> <laughs> um, the let's open a secret door <laughs> done perfect <Drew. laughs> oh, no, you, just, you just turned the tap on oh Jesus <laughs> and then the whole trying to keep Grandad asleep and he's just basically singing Go to sleep. Okay, can I ask you a question about the whole granddad nonsense? Okay. Okay, so granddad is the sun, right? That's the... Yeah. Or the star. No, no. Granddad is the mummy vampire and the old god is the sun. Right, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. Fine. Semantics. So... Is there an old god? Unfortunately, yes. Okay, wait. Hang on. So there is a star in the middle which happens to be alive, sentient, and incredibly malicious. And then there is a... Like an alarm clock being who's asleep inside a box. Yeah. And they're tradition is to sing to keep basically a lullaby to keep this i guess the granddad then asleep so that he doesn't wake up run the, the alarm clock and wake up the old god star yes but every now and again you have to feed him a child as the snooze button okay so can i just point something out kill the alarm clock just kill him he is asleep in a box just kill him in his sleep it doesn't even have to hurt i'm sure that when you do sneak up behind him. him and just like gently push push a needle into his ear like fuck <laughs> 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 you thought about this <laughs> just do anything create a vacuum like while he's asleep make it completely soundproof so that he can't scream out through it and then just leave him in there leave him to suffocate dude 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 dude, dude. when you, whenever you kill this alarm clock there's going to be a bolt of energy shoots out of him into the center of the old god I'm sure you can wibbly wobbly that. That's not a problem. Also, I think you're forgetting how alarm clocks work. If your alarm clock doesn't go off, you don't just sleep for eternity. Eventually you... You're not an old god. You don't know his brand. Run out of food and just wake up hungry and angry. This is what I'm saying. You kill him. If you kill the alarm clock, the, the old god will sleep forever. No, he won't. He'll just wake up. Well, if he will just wake up, then their tradition is also meaningless. Their meaning, their, their tradition is all about like hit the snooze button, just hit the snooze button, right? So, <laughs> no, no, no. if you don't because hit the snooze button and you don't have an alarm, the, the the either he will wake up and kill them anyway. So, okay, so this is where I yes, the child is going to be sacrificed. <laughs> oh, so see, this is another one of my so questions. Oh, no, not unless she sings brilliantly. No, but, no, 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 but, but no, 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 exactly. I think she sang perfectly, but I don't think she actually messed anything up. I think she messed something up. Did she? She was terrible. No, she didn't say every thousand Mary Galals gets eaten. So, and, um, well, this was going to be my question. She was always sure? going to get eaten anyway. So this Mar- Mary Galal no is what, like, she's, how old is she? Five? Eight? Eight. Twelve. Eight. Twelve. Oh, Twelve was going to be my next ten? guess, actually. Ten. All right. Split a difference. She's ten. not a secondary school. Okay, sure. No, she could be. Some of them She's are not a more. secondary convent. No, 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 sure, no, no, okay. no. Let's call her ten. Ten. Okay. Yeah. M- Mary Galel is ten years old. Yeah. Mary sounds a lot like Glad. 
Or it's like it means a lot like glad, just I'd say. <laughs> it's a bit like I'm, I'm already drunk and bit. we are barely scratching the surface of this episode. Okay. Mary Galel, just a child's She's got is, a great memory. Is but yeah, and she has to memorize all of whatever and then yeah, every, every now and then whole you sacrifice them? All that their civilization knows is Oh God of a carton over and over again a billion times. Okay, here's another question. I mean it pays not to be too developed. Wait, sorry, Jim, I was just about to I was talk about say it. it was God of what, sorry? Oh God of a carton. Oh, okay. okay. Sorry if you heard anything different, Jim. <laughs> no, no, I was just checking it was a carton that you said there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Don't listen back. However, when old God eats your soul... You mean OG? Memories. When OG. OG. OG, yeah. (laughs) Um, I really fully expected that that person then to lose all their memories, but he eats all the doctor's memories, and then doctor just... Carries along. Does he actually eat the doctor's memories? Doesn't he? Yeah, because the doctor is there going, go on then, have it all, (laughs) take it out. Can we put a pin in that scene? Because that scene is absolutely brilliant. We have to talk about that. Brilliant in the sense of who the shit wrote that. (laughs) Anyway, Neil Cross did. Neil Cross did. I I am cross with Neil Cross. (laughs) Can I just say that that scene is the basis of my Matt Smith? impression from from that day to this oh, really? that is why it has been so bad i will never forgive you neil cross <laughs> <laughs> wait a moment ago you were saying all of their memories sorry is just oh a carton is great the god of a carton well yeah. i mean the girl talks a good game but then when it comes to the actual ceremony it's just the same four words over and over okay, again okay so here are two questions question one what happens to the collective memory of this solar system when she's eaten? And question two, there are a bajillion species there. Sorry, Maria, just once again, there are a bajillion species on this rock. It's not a planet, this whatever, this marketplace. It's the solar, the rings. Yeah, do they all have the same faith? There's a fish person there. There's a dude from the fish person from the doctor's daughter is is on this planet. Does he also believe that this I, star needs to be, you know, is is he of this faith? I think they, yeah, because when your star is a god, I feel like every planetary body worships that god. Everybody in that solar, they're all from the same solar system. Yeah. That solar system must be our solar system because the fish people were in the doctor's daughter, which was on Earth, wasn't it? Yeah, but they're not obviously from Earth. And I don't think they were the same race. Oh, were they not? I don't think so. I, okay. I actually thought that looked like a creature. I can't remember the episode. I, I meant to look it up, but didn't. Okay. Um, where there's like uh, an alien in like a disused building that's he's one of the most violent things I remember. Oh, yes, 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 yes. But he doesn't have the, the kind of breathing exactly. water, the, the water apparatus. But yeah. the rest of him looked like that. Oh, blurg. Hang on. I'm heading to the win- Vindex because I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, at this point, I would say I don't think the Doctor's daughter is on Earth. I think that's human colonists plus an alien oh, species. Oh, you know what? You're right. Co-colonizing yeah. some sort of planet. Yes. Sorry, you're totally right. Yeah, because yeah, they're like copying themselves. Yeah, exactly. Stuff to, yeah. to be on a colony. Yeah. For an endless war, japes. This is the one you're talking about, isn't it? Oh, it's in the Pandorica Opens. That is the one, yeah. That is the one! I freaking knew it! He's the guy who rolls his eyes when they rock up late because they haven't booked seats. It's called a hoiks. The hoiks. Yeah, we see it in Love and Monsters, and we see it in the Pandorica Opens. Thank you very much, whobackone.com. See, this is the value of the Vindex. That's freaky. It's in 24, 72, and 96. All multiples are 24. Wait, 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 wait. So, it, And it also is the half 
breathing mask. It genuinely is a hybrid of the two things we were talking about. Oh! And the doctor's okay. daughter yeah. is N048! Oh my goodness! All these numbers actually lead me to a little bit of a tangent. I'm very sorry if I'm... Is this a numerological mic. tangent? It is, yes. Ooh. I had a chat with JD. Hi, JD. Uh, hello, JD. Hi, JD. Hi, JD. Hello, JD. <laughs> um, that is not my voice. <laughs> Stop doing that. I wasn't doing your voice, you fucking narcissist. Hello, JD. <laughs> That's not my voice, Drew. Okay, so... <laughs> That's a cookie and, monster. And JD... Mm, cookies! JD <laughs> pointed <laughs> out <laughs> that this episode, our review of Rings of a Curtain... It's not significant in some way, is it? Is if you add up the classic Who episodes, the new Who episodes, and Let's the audio Who episodes, this is our 200th one. <gasps> So if we just discount the bonus episodes, which (laughs) admittedly do also contain stories, we just go for TV and audio. This is our 200th Doctor Who story review. Woo-woo. Oh, freaking here's to us. Yes. Bajing, bajing, (laughs) ka-clink. So many clinks. Here's to any fans who've made it this far, because my goodness, you are exemplary human beings. Thanks, JD. JD. Right. Okay, hang on. Let's get back to this episode. What? I'm, oh, okay. I was so lost. We were talking about aliens just a moment ago, the hoiks, the fish people, whatever, all those dudes. Can I say the production value for costumes is amazing in this episode? Mm. Yes. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. We don't get this level of like money injected into the props department or the costume department in, in most episodes. Yeah, I mean, I know we compared it to the market in turn left in the B-Scout, but it was actually that times 20 or 50. They were really putting every single penny of the license fee on the screen there yeah. for us to just indulge in luxuriating. Yeah, it is a planet-wide Mose Eisley. Every, yeah. every alien has a different character, is inspired by a different animal or yeah. a different aspect of whatever. The only one that's absolute pants is the barking lady. <gasps> Who gets the most screen time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I read a trivia saying that they were like that was the aim was to be a kind of Star Warsy oh really type vibe oh yeah because Clara asked for something awesome and the production team were like we can do that yeah that's Once. the most awesome thing we know Star, Star Wars, Wars obviously yeah oh maybe, Trek maybe yeah maybe. is that what you said <laughs> <laughs> Picard yeah yeah have to know Picard wins yeah were there any classic aliens that you recognised because he seemed to know everyone. I didn't know whether there was a, like, any nod to like old... None that I recognised. I mean, it's possible that... Well, either I, it's very possible that I missed something. It's also possible that we haven't encountered them yet. He name-checks a few of them. Pan-Babylonians, Hula-Baloo. Mm. He I thought it was Hoovaloo. Oh, was it Hoovaloo? <laughs> as well. You just, you just missaid Hullabaloo. Uh, well, I, the, thought, I, thought that's, <laughs> I thought that was the joke. I thought, I thought he was saying, right, these okay, are the, Hullabaloo. The Hullabaloo, apparently... Hullabaloo? I'm, I'm literally just quoting trivia stuff okay is apparently described in the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy which i don't no i way. don't remember this oh, reference wait, wow. when who are they yeah. they are apparently super intelligent shade of the color blue <laughs> oh nice <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> i don't remember a blue alien in this they may not be blue i don't know oh. there is a reference to classic who in this though because the doctor says that he came there w- with his granddaughter. granddaughter yeah so there is an actual reference to susan which is quite nice yes which does that happen in an episode, or is it purely just... No, hit, no, yeah, no, 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 no. they thing. definitely don't come there. Okay. Or go there. I, I mean, not, I in, not on TV. There might be... For all I know, there's, there's a whole series of Big Finish audiobooks about the first Doctor and Susan. 
And for all I know, maybe they did recreate this, but... I think it was a bigger trivia point, and I've not seen it, so... Okay, yeah, there you go. And obviously, I've seen everything. <laughs> hey <laughs> I don't think you've seen all the audios, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I listen with my eyes. So the barking lady who's renting out uh, mopeds... Sorry, moped, singular. She has <laughs> one moped, and she's <laughs> fucking barking mad about that. Why isn't she translated? There's a lot of things that aren't translated. Oh, actually, yeah, you know what that is. The entire point. start of the market scene, I don't think, is translated. Yeah, there's, is... A, there's a dialect as well that gets mentioned by the Doctor and isn't translated. Oh, I missed that. And are, are the, the first songs not more than just sounds as well? They sound like they should be words. And then it's not until later on where they're saying, Grandad, don't fucking wake up. Don't fucking wake up, Grandad. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that, that it switches to English? Or am I wrong with that? Such a catchy tune, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if they'd said, oh, Jesus, in that song, that would have been too on the nose even for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, I think so. Well, I'm nicking this from um, IMDb Trivia as well, but someone said that a possible explanation is because the TARDIS doesn't like Clara, and so it's not translating properly for her. Oh, I like oh, that. I like that, yeah. yeah. That's a really nice either retro rewrite or retcon or whatever it is. It's I think nice. it's a retro rewrite. I don't know if it's intentional, oh. but it's, yeah, if it's... I'm happy to accept it if it becomes a real thing in other episodes. So. Yeah. How do you feel about the TARDIS not liking it's, it? Well, it sort of bothered me that that was Clara's interpretation of it because she's just pulled on a locked door and then <laughs> <laughs> been confused why it doesn't open. Like, he, the, the um, Doctor has more than any other companion insisted on repeatedly giving her a key, which she doesn't use... Therefore, wait. He gives her a key. Like he gave, he tried to give her a key twice when she died. Oh yeah. yeah. And then it happened. Does it happen in this episode? No. She, wait. She doesn't have a key, does she? Does she? Or at the end of the last episode, somewhere. At the end of the sure. last episode, when she's like, when she's so coy and she's like, ah, try and give me a key again tomorrow. I'm sure he's tried to give her a key before. Yeah. So she knows that it's a lockable door that need requires a key to open. And she doesn't have a key. And then she th- oh, oh, this box must hate me. But you know what? Yeah. This, this also annoys me about her, or possibly the way that she's been written. Clara, in general, I remember really enjoying. Mm. But she's written to be way too presumptuous in this one. She, she's brand new in yeah. terms of companion material. Yeah, and she this shouldn't isn't, be this inviting is random space girls into the TARDIS. It's not her TARDIS. Oh, but she's trying to protect her, and she doesn't know anything else, and she's yeah. Set, and you know what? She could have done a way better job of protecting this girl. Just stay hidden behind the TARDIS, because apparently no one looks behind her. <laughs> Sorry, Drew. Well, I was just going to say this is this isn't knowledgeable Splinter Clara. This is the original Clara, Clara Zero, Clara Prime. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So yeah. early exactly. days. Yeah, she doesn't know what to do. She's just got a bit of computer knowledge stuffed in her head. She really should just reach into her pocket and grab a key and try and put it in the lock. And then what can the TARDIS do about that? But does she have that key? I can't remember. Well, if she doesn't, then she'd be like, oh, bugger, I knew I should have got the key off the Doctor. (laughs) There are loads of points in this episode where the characters, if they were actually written coherently, don't react the way they should. Ah. Because it's the service of the episode or the episode's agenda, which we may get to. Like the fact that the Doctor disappears to put her in that predicament in the first place. Why does he disappear? He Why does he always just disappears. leave her there? He disappears so he can come back eating the same fruit which he walked away to go and eat. And no. didn't touch while yeah. the time no, he was away. Okay, wait. Easy retcon or easy rewrite. He ju- he thought it was such a good fruit that he then spent half an hour walking around said market looking for that particular fruit stand so that he could buy another one until he finally found one, at which point he cared enough about his new companion, whom he has spent fucking potentially 
months, years stalking. <laughs> but now, when he's taking her to the most chaotic place, the bloody solar system has just abandoned. Do you know that? Yeah, that's the thing because he do, he does he always abandons them early doors. This happened with Donna. It did, and with Amy. I'm sure it did. But he didn't spend months stalking Donna, no. right? Yeah, he should be. He sh- she's the Should've. most fascinating thing on that planet. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Maybe if she were a little bit more interesting. Oh, I mean, how, what are the chances that he runs into her twice? I mean, come on. There's a whole backstory here that hasn't been explored. Wait, Donna, Ooh, second audio book, maybe. Wait, Donna. Who wants to play Donna? Never mind. Everyone, tumbleweed. Everyone, bloody keep their hands down. (laughs) I swear to God. (laughs) (laughs) Does anyone recall this scene better than I? I do because I'm pretty sure that the Doctor is literally turning around to do something that him and Clara are trying to do in that moment, and then Clara turns around and then he's gone. Clara looks around and is amused by something in the background. There is nothing visible amusing there. But clearly, we weren't, we didn't have, you know, privileged enough viewpoint on whatever she was looking at because it was undoubtedly hilarious. <laughs> that, that's Clara's worst scene, actually, that really fake uh, laugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so amusing. But I'm, I'm sure it was, it was like Doc saying it's something. A split second. Yeah, I'm going to do this. And then she spins around. And it's literally three seconds, and then he's just nowhere to be seen whatsoever. Well, he's he's very long-legged. I mean, he covers a lot of ground very quickly. <laughs> I suppose so. And maybe maybe there's weird gravity around the rings of a carton. The rings of a carton, you say? Yeah. Now you're getting it, Jim. Should we start playing the drinking game? Yeah, we should probably. Do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good. I'm nowhere near sober. Oh wait, I'm out of vodka. So I think that was about fifty references. We're on catch up. <laughs> <laughs> I got a question about Neil Cross. Okay. Does anyone know what he's been doing lately? Wait, who's Neil Cross? He's the writer of this episode by Jingo. This episode that was broadcast on the 6th of April 2013. 2013, eh? Yes, 2013. (laughs) (laughs) Has anyone seen his subsequent BBC series, Hard Sun? Oh, wait, he did that? Yes, wait, he, he wrote did. That he sh- he, was he the showrunner? What did he do? He, he created it. He wrote it with Holy such shit. episode titles as Sunday. Oh, I'm less impressed now, but the trailer makes it look really interesting. That, is that what, already out? That's what I trailers are supposed to do. I can, well, well done, whoever cut the trailer. <laughs> is that already From out? six hours of footage. I guess it was told, released last year. I totally forgot that that was even happening. Like two years ago, I read about it. Yeah, it's about a pre-apocalyptic world where the sun is about to engulf a planet near yeah, cross it, of one fucking idea yeah but it's like uh it, it, oh yeah it's true wait 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 does that mean this one actually resolves what the hell happens when the old god disappears because <laughs> their solar system is fucked yes yes thank you the second that disappears there's no gravity there's no oxygen those planets are they're just drifting out into dead space. They're not yeah. getting heat from anything. They freeze to absolute anything. zero within minutes. The old <laughs> god was bringing life to everyone, actually. So it was all true. Yeah, yeah thanks very sleep. much, old god. Let him sleep forever. Yeah, yeah. No, no, forever. Do, all you have to do feed is feed him a twelve-year-old yeah. every thousand years. It's not that yeah, big. Yeah, the a... the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Slash, yeah. maybe kill the dude in the box. No, because he'll wake <laughs> or, up. <laughs> or just get one of those little. Um, wind up things that just plays music all the time and just put that in the room with the granddad. Wait, wait. <laughs> why didn't I think of that? Yes, why didn't they record some girl singing? <laughs> <laughs> Doctor should just turn up with like a CD player going, hey guys, have you seen this? Solve your problem. It's called Minidisc and it's the future. 
<laughs> and while you're at it, I've got this pager. <laughs> Can I just round off Neil Cross's note with, he did also create some show called Luther. And he was like, <gasps> what? He did not. Oh. Neil Cross, all is forgiven. I'm no longer cross with Neil Cross. Luther's brilliant. Yeah. Luther. And there's no son that's going to kill anyone in Luther. No. That's <laughs> what you sound like, Drew. He is a two-trick pony. A two-trick pony. Yeah. He can only do cataclysmic sun apocalypses. And can, or Luther. <laughs> and really dark police dramas. Actually, that whatever that sun apocalypse thing call, is called. What's Hard called? Sun. Hard Sun. It's a cop show. It's a cop oh, thriller, but set in a world where the cops know that the earth is going to end, but the civilians don't know about it. It's the meeting of what? The, these two ideas. Yeah, this is okay, what I'm saying. It sounds super interesting. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. And then review it. <laughs> I'm going to drop a marker. The rest of this episode is a hard sun review. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, things got serious. Marie is looking at her notes. Ooh. Do you want to know my, um, what's it called? Continuity error that I spotted. To big this up, this is a continuity error that is not even referenced on IMDb. What? Oh, go for it. Original oh. content. It's, uh, <laughs> it's really terrible, and I'm really ashamed of myself for noticing it. But in one scene, in uh, I, d- I did a time check for you so you can go. Oh, yeah. It's something like 10 minutes 10. Okay. Uh, Clara is wearing brown boots with a little heel. Okay. And in 10.38, Clara has got black boots with no heel. <gasps> Say what? But what? I only, but I genuinely only noticed it because I saw the brown boots and I was like, they are not practical boots for running. Does she not know how you should be? They're running all the time and she needs nice flat stumpy boots. And in the next scene, she was wearing flat stumpy boots. So next scene, they actually have close up of the boots. Yeah. To really highlight the. I rewound it to make sure. I'm I'm not to okay double check. with this. Yeah, I know. Bootgate. <laughs> no, no, I'm not on board on the everything's a gate gate. <laughs> this is one of those episodes that you think is maybe made by the B unit. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? You think? Yeah, it's maybe. amateurish. Apart from the... Are we just praising all the high-tech yeah, pro- cos- like, costumes? Well, I mean, that's just... Are oh, you referring to the moped scene? I mean, that is the worst Doctor Who has looked since approximately 2007. <laughs> But I mean, you see everything good in the first 15 minutes and then it just gets reused two or three times to pad out the remaining 28 and nothing else happens. But nobody seems to care. They're like, well, if we just produce this amount of footage, then we've done our work as a B unit because, you know, we're freelancers and then we can go and work on something else, which we actually enjoy working on. So are you referring to the sun animations or what? The sun animations... The moped going through space because first it's the Doctor, then it's Clara going exactly the same direction across the screen with the exact same tilt. The moped going through space is the only absolutely dreadful special effect in this episode, I think. The rest is beautiful. The sun is beautiful. It's a round red-yellow orb with giant eyebrows. It's a snowman face. It's a red and orange snowman face. When when they're on the (laughs) uh, granddad's alarm clock person box, rock. What, you mean made out of perspex? Fine. When they're there and you see all the other, not asteroids, whatever the word is, the other like astral bodies in the background just floating around. That's yeah, we, gorgeous. We've seen them already. We've seen them in 10 minutes in when the doctor pulls his hands from over Clara's eyes and like, get a look at this shot. You'll probably be seeing it for the next half an hour. <laughs> and it might, it's either that shot or it's when the, the star is first revealed to be the god. 
Yeah. That is the worst green screen effect I have seen in, in New oh. Who. Oh, all of New Who. Wait, worse than the moped? Because yeah, the moped no, can eat my balls. That <laughs> scene is dreadful. Because that I, I give a massive pass to because it's it's moving, it's action. It's actually okay. difficult they're, to do. they're literally stood on the set that's like most of the scene and there's, oh, and yeah, there's yeah. a massive green screen behind them which they've just put like the solar system or something. And they just like some some reason there must be someone's hair or something that's just it's just too fuzzy. They, they put it, an it intern looks, on the chroma key. It looks day. really terrible. It looks really terrible. It does. But then they repeat it with Clara so you can appreciate, again, just how terrible it is. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to have it twice, get it right once. <laughs> right? They splurged all the budget on the market a bit. And then they had... On the costumes. On yeah. the alien costumes. Yeah, exactly. Those are brilliant, though. And then they shoved them all in a gymnasium. With the, <laughs> the little stacked seating area. I, I actually thought that the CGI introduction of the amphitheatre looked really nice when you saw it from afar. But then, as Jim says, when it's just stadium seating in a gym and nobody's moving, none of the aliens have anything to do apart from cast the odd contemptuous look. How? Yeah. It's terrible. Well, they're sat waiting for the big show. What do you want them to do? They're sat waiting for... Th- that fucking stadium of aliens is the most inert thing we've ever seen in Doctor Who right? how, how often does this show air by the, or not air how often, how often <laughs> is, does this show actually happen I mean this is not like you go to Las Vegas and you have Penn and Teller performing like 12 times per day no I know but okay so like once, once every 10 years no it's every 10 years because they have to grow oh, no. a person to sacrifice that okay person. wait it occurs once every thousand years is the point wait Th- once every thousand is this girl a thousand years old because I no, said a thousand no. and I I think I made that up. So are you saying it from the episode or you just remember It's once every thousand years and they just keep passing on the knowledge from person to person until eventually a little girl is long-lived enough to because it's you know, only- coincide. What do you mean long-lived enough? Would it make, make sense to time... You can time this if you have to do it every thousand years. It's not super complex no, no, no. maths. They haven't time- invented mini-discs. Time it so that you have an adult whose vocal cords are developed to the point where they're not going to the- shit themselves on stage. But and grandfather's going to feel like he's even older than he is. I mean, he's going to feel ashamed. She only gets, Marigalel only gets the knowledge when the last one dies. So the yeah. last one could have been 95. Yeah, you don't know how long the Dalai so Lama's going to live. One, so you, can't, you can't kill the Dalai Lama! <laughs> I think it's, That's just playing into China's hands. <laughs> I think it's Marie's earlier point that he's just going to wake up when he wakes up. Like, unless you want to set the alarm clock at Early, I suppose. The alarm yeah. clock, if you, yeah, the alarm clock can wake him up early, but he's gonna wake up eventually. Exactly. So, but you might as well make the best of a bad situation and kill the fucking Feed alarm him an clock. Old p- no, person. kill the alarm clock. But they don't kill the alarm clock. They don't Why is no that? one listening to because me? Please kill the, the, the alarm, alarm clock. clock. Is Cerberus at the gates of hell? You kill Cerberus, and all hell comes pouring out, and then we have a Hellboy situation, and. They just can't f- make a good film out of that. You're never going to have the sun god or whatever, the, this evil sun stuff, th- th- whatever. You're never going to have the sun wake up and go, <clears throat> excuse me, no one's waking me. Wake, uh, uh, you know, no one's... Uh, uh, shit, I can't exactly. Speak. He's going to be like, I can't string a sentence together. I'm just going to fucking eat you all because that's easy. No yeah. one screamed at me for a while. Can someone please scream at me? <laughs> Otherwise, I might kill you. If he wakes up, then he kills everyone. Show over, right? So Yeah, so you can't kill the alarm clock because that'll wake him up. No, the, the alarm clock won't kill him up because the song is meant, the lullaby is meant to keep the alarm clock not ringing. Um, I, because I think that they don't know that he's an alarm clock. They think that he is 
old god and it's the doctor that comes in and says this is not the real thing because oh. they they it's been going for millennia and they don't remember how it started they're just hearing these stories that are passed down and passed down and passed down and passed on um and so they believe that this man in a box is the god and they're keeping him happy and they don't know about the big son holy shit mind blown mind I, blown that is ingenious that, no that's exactly it i i also think they fucked up you know if you fall asleep with the light on you're yeah. perf- you're perfectly happy even though it's like the bright light in your face and then someone turns the light off and you're bloody awake <laughs> some Jim is speaking from experience some <laughs> idiot thought oh we're just lullab- some idiot slash marie <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it's normally the way around to us <laughs> no some some idiot thought oh we just sing lullabies to this thing to keep it asleep yeah you and know then, when you no, it was already asleep yeah then now we can't stop because if they stop singing, he wakes up again. Yeah, you know oh, when you okay. go to bed and every 1,000 years someone <laughs> sings you to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> no, because the dude is there, like, taking, oh, you're right. taking over. Like, someone wait. is continuously singing. Wait, that what, why are there box. two dudes there? What, wait, I have so many objections <laughs> well, to mean, their traditions. No, no, no. I mean, you can't just carry on singing. You've got to break for lunch at some point. Okay, no, no. but here's my question. If if it's good enough for 999.9999, what, period nine years, to have two dudes just interchangeably singing at the alarm clock box, why do you every 1,000 years also need to Logan's run some girl? You don't. She survives, typically. You don't. Because, you because, do. Yeah, but sun, you don't. You why don't you just have the two people right there? Every now and again, you need a harmony, because it sounds nice. But he's done such a good job for 999 point period, nine years. Yeah, but I mean, the alarm clock gets bored. It needs some variety. Oh, he no, I'm know. not okay with this. No, the this religion is doing fine. <laughs> this, man, this religion has been working for good. millions of years. You know there what? I beg to differ, because they're about to all die. Because the doctor turned up and was like, you know what? This needs some intervention. No, Nobody's nothing died to do with the doctor. far too long and if I enlighten them then at least there'll be a load of It has nothing death. to do with the doctor. If it weren't for a dog renting out mopeds this species would be dead. In fact all of these species would be dead and this star would go out munching the solar system. It's a star. It is its solar system. A star. Is, it's got the fusion going on inside of it. I mean it doesn't need to eat a little girl's memories. It's fine. It just wants a little toe complication. Just, just a little respect his memories like, are in you life. irrelevant to this process the doctor goes here have my memories the the son goes mm, oh good memories next please fuck you doctor memories are completely irrelevant no i'll tell you what memories are central <laughs> to this solar system's economy the star is like if you don't keep some sort of moral compass in place then you're just going to exploit each other to the ultimate degree and the whole earth is going to fucking eat itself unless it has some <laughs> external referent by which it can orient its morals <laughs> okay hang on wait wait there are two more people in the room uh, <laughs> and relax this is good cider drew Go back chin, when this chin, week that was amazing to you by orchard <laughs> and sonic screwdrivers <laughs> i should put the recipe for sonic screwdrivers on the website actually yeah <laughs> Oh, everyone can have a sonic screwdriver along with us. Did you want to say something, Marie? Because I have something to say if you, if you don't want to. I've lost the plot. Okay. I don't know I'm so sorry anymore. for talking over you guys for ages now. Apologies. <laughs> sorry. Did you, that was... What did you want to say, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> but 
was great. That was a counter, 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 counter situation. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> so I, I've come up with the theory that the um, the old god basically doesn't have a natural REM cycle. And oh. this is what the little child is. Wait, explain, elaborate. <gasps> Giving him d- this a dream, so he can dream. Yeah, well, he can stay in a nice regenerative sleeping state. So every thousand years, he gets a nice little REM cycle and he can, yeah, he can dream a bit and recharge properly. And if they don't do it right, he wakes up. I really like that theory. That's really brilliant, actually. <laughs> I still don't think she did it wrong, though. No, I don't think so either. I think I think it's just yeah. There was. There I think was, she was always doomed to die. There was a star two thousand light years away that um, just blinked at the wrong time. And they've told her, "Oh yeah, remember all these things and sing this song perfectly, and you'll be fine." But it's all just a lie, and she's just going to get fed to him no matter what she does. I don't know if it is a lie. I think they just don't understand. I think they're doing what they think is best. Nah. No. I, I think it doesn't make sense from top to bottom. <laughs> Actually, you know what? No, scratch that. Because what the fuck are the vigil? Are the vigil the weird, like... Uh, Cre- creepy the- things that get us... No, oh, not, not suck you. The whisper people. The whisper people. Whisper people. They're awesome. Oh, they're so cool. I love those dudes. <laughs> they're crazy. Oh, no. Oh, I have a hard on. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Here you have these whispering aliens with fleshlight shaped heads that just walk around a fucking marketplace in outer space. What's not to like? They're amazing. Excuse me, what's a fleshlight? <laughs> yeah, Google it. <laughs> well done. They look kind of cool. They're very underdeveloped. They pop up in the middle of the market. Who scaring are they? Out of everyone, like Drew said. Who are they? Yeah, they're, I don't know. Do they work for the sun god? Well, maybe maybe this is like taking all my naivety out of it because, like Marie's saying, they they have to sacrifice someone, and this is what the vigil are there for. They're, the vigil are there to say, no matter what that little kid does, Granddad gets to eat someone. Yeah, because yeah. when they're in the alarm clock place, they seem to be working like they seem to be thwarting the Doctor's efforts yeah. to, in turn, thwart the Sun God. Because they want, yeah, they want the sun god to feed so that the status quo will be the same. Does that mean that if the sun just eats this girl, everyone is fine? Yeah. I think I think so. I so mean, the you know what I'm thinking, has right? Fuck the whole solar system just to save this one child who he left on the planet and therefore will also die when the solar system collapses. Yeah. But hang on, hang on, hang on. The sun god feeds on all the doctor's memories, and the doctor's just fine. Yeah, no, that's what I said half an hour ago, Drew. Well, I you've finally got through my <laughs> thick skull. <laughs> so the, the little girl would also be just fine. So, yeah. so, so what's the problem? <sighs> I'm glad you brought that up half an hour ago. <laughs> but, but the sun somehow, like, levitates her. And pulls oh, it's her the slowest to... tractor beam ever. <laughs> yeah, it tractor beams her to the, the alarm clock. Not planets, asteroid or whatever. Mm. And Doctor should should have shouted at Clara, don't reach out and try and grab someone in the tractor beam. That's stupid. <laughs> but no. It's a good no. way to get your hand <laughs> tracted off. Exactly. Because <laughs> I, I wonder if maybe, if maybe she did sing, sing something wrong, but maybe she sang it right. Um, no. She would have been teleported over like instantly. It's like, okay, we know this is the person that he's meant to eat who has all the knowledge and um, stuff that Granddad will qu- quite happily eat. And zap, there she goes over there, sacrificed. And it's ni- nice and nice and quick and simple. But, but you got this one note wrong and we'll just drag you over slowly. Well, so- someone had to like hit the manual. Ah, oh, fuck it. We have to take the child. <laughs> and everyone has to see it. And it's all going to get really awkward, button. Oh. So what? what is it that the... Oh, sorry, Drew. Well, I was just going to say, maybe it's all a sham. Because... This girl is agonizing over, I have learnt every single memory that this solar system has. And she doesn't start off 
reading off, as at the beginning of the Iliad, for example, this many people came over with 30 ships and this many with 60 ships. And I'm bringing in the Iliad because this is quite like quite a lot of Greek myths and etc. Where there's always some lion or boar or ghost of Odysseus's crew in the next cave over who wants some virgin sacrificed every seven or nine years or whatever. And so she she's supposed to embark on this giant catalogue and instead she's just going, Oh God of a carton, oh God of a carton, oh God of a carton because no one can write a fucking song it for feels, this episode. Yeah, it feels like she's sort of spent a lot longer A carton, a carton, a carton. Remembering yeah. that one <laughs> song. Oh you're right, yeah we were that's drink. three drinks, everybody. Oh. <laughs> So wait, hang on. So is she being trained in all this stuff just in... Oh, sorry, I just interrupted you. Oh, didn't no, I, Marie? Sorry. Michelle, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I suppose, I suppose yes. If, if the upshot is that she gets eaten either way, then yes, you train her with all the memories and get her to sing the most simplistic shit ever because that way that's sort of efficient, isn't well, it? Well, I, I'm assuming that they imbue her with all this, like the, the solar system's memories in case she screws up on stage so that she can then hand over the memories. Yeah. I think the simplistic song is so that it goes wrong and then the son just gets to do what he was going to do from the beginning in any case. Okay, so here's a question. Why not just skip the song altogether and hand over the memories and then she spends the, the rest of her life teaching the next, not Dalai Lama, but whatever they call it in this, this world, all the memories of the solar system and problem solved? Because they fucked up and they imply that she won't, survive if she gets her memory yeah, so, so where where did she learn it who's how is the next person going to learn anything oh, about the solar system there's some school of you, yeah because you asked this monks earlier monks and stuff that are teaching everyone. it doesn't have to be one person passing all yeah. the knowledge on to one other person this is why we have experts in different fields and they might have books they don't have Hist- CD players but they might have books yeah. yeah over a thousand years there's a lot of fuzziness that can creep into the equation and by that time it's like oh, I'm sure over the intervening millennium we've got this right and they just recreate the same old fucking lie (laughs) (laughs) wait did you describe politics (laughs) does anyone have anything positive to say about this episode yes oh wait i have a question another one okay uh, wait hang on slash a positive thing okay love the psychological slash emotional currency (gasps) yeah that's a great idea well i don't know but it does feel like a big like you always have to sacrifice something that's really personal to you. How many how many items do you have that really mean something to you? But it doesn't have to be something super meaningful. I mean, in our own constructed society, we add an arbitrary value to money. Like we, I mean, we say however much, you know, 10 quid, 100 quid, 1000 quid, it's all worth a certain amount, but or a certain thing to us, a certain amount of emotions in fact to us as well. Yeah, it's paper with a number on it arbitrarily given a value. Exactly. So in this case, it doesn't. You don't always have to give away the leaf, like the most amazing and important thing okay. to you as ever. You can go like this. Pocket lint is really important to me to a certain degree, I guess. And then a dog person will read the value of it and go, "Yeah, here, have my scooter." Yes, but okay. So for example, Clara gave her ring to the dog person That's bullshit, that had a lot of meaning for Clara, so it, w- it was a very high value. Utter bullshit. Now the dog person has it. It has zero meaning for the dog person, so it has no resale value. <laughs> That's such a good point. Oh my god! Oh, you, no, you no, just no. ruined economy. You, no, 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 you have not, because this is psychometry. The objects are psychically imprinted with their history, so yeah, but, they always have when? the same value. Yeah. 
What do you Every, mean? It's cumulative. But most things and are no important negative. to someone. No, no, this doesn't so depreciate. So you can pick up, you can pick up a pebble. There's no inflation. This is fucking recession. Wait, 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 wait. Excuse me. Excuse so, me. No, no. If if it always accumulates, then there is nothing but inflation. Yeah. yeah. No, no, because people are always creating new memories. This it's just yeah, constantly. and thus adding value to their currency. Yeah, the, the way to be wealthy, like like we just hinted, like you just grab a load of rocks and just pass them through your family, and then <laughs> like the the generation fifty. Years in the future. Not oh, yeah, this, is, this is great-grandma's role. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She sat um, on it once when her ass was too hot and it cooled her right down. This is this is rock number 37. It used to sit next to 33 and 32 on the mantelpiece. Ah, but there's an interesting story because rocks 34 to 36 were sold to this dog creature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, the thing that bothered me most, actually, uh, I do kind of like the idea and I think we've just actually ripped it apart. <laughs> Sorry, but I realise it's now terrible. But I kind of like the idea. But I feel like Clara paid an extortionate amount for yes. that. Yeah, and, and she's no... next to the doctor. Doesn't the doctor? The doctor has like bottomless How Mary you... Poppins you pockets. Exactly. How Dig do you for get some pocket lint from the doctor's pockets? That's what he did when he then bought back the ring. He was like, "You had ninety-five percent over the odds for yeah. that." So, are I you inferring you... that this is all a test to see if Clara is devoted enough? Is this like a uh, who is it? Is it Abraham? Whoever? Is this like a hey? Well, uh, there was definitely a sacrifice there. Yes. Exactly. Is is it one of those things? Like, hey, Clara, what are you prepared to sacrifice to go on a fun Disney World adventure with me? Yeah, your firstborn son that you got out of your wife at the age of ninety plus or whatever, <laughs> or just some leaf <laughs> out the front of a book. <laughs> yeah, the leaf will do it. She should, she could have done the back page of the book. Why is she walking around yeah. with a leaf? By the way. Because it means a lot to her. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but, like, if it means a lot to her, then like you carry maybe all of your possessions. Exactly. On she doesn't have a teddy bear, all right. She doesn't have hey. a Harvey or no, a. No, no, no. This this is a leaf that's housed in a book, which is about seeing the world. It's about traveling. Does she's that about mean that to she journal? Does she she's always about to have... tick off number one on her list of places to oh, see. Oh re- wait, 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 No, 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 no. Stop. Rewind. <laughs> number one on her list of things of places I'm to sorry. see has been like the fucking rings of a carter. <laughs> Oh, her mom is like, oh, I'm about to die, and this is going to have a severe narrative meaning to you when you grow up, Clara. Here's a book. Number one, wrote, write down the rings of a carton. It's not going to make sense to you, but in like 20 years it will. I'm pretty sure rings of a carton is 37 anyway. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to do them in order. And this week's podcast is brought to you by the number 37. 37. <laughs> it's, like, it's Paris, it's Pisa, it's all the peas. <laughs> Yeah, oh. And then after a while, it's the rings of a carton. <laughs> it's Camden Lock Market, rings of a carton. And drink. <laughs> but doesn't the dog, I mean, why does that? No, that scene really pisses me off because the doc goes, oh, is this important to you? Mm, sucks to be you. I've got nothing. I you guess give you... him his coat or his bow tie. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. He could spit... Take off your fucking bow tie, no, doctor. have the doctor spit in the dog's face because his spit has seen a lot. <laughs> yeah, because, because according millions. to River Song, whole civilizations would wipe out entire planets just for a molecule of Time Lord DNA. That's true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> give her a sock. <laughs> give, her, give her a sock. Have the doctor... Holy urinate on the scooter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what 
do you do Actually, when you get caught a, short she's of a it dog. space? She's a dog. She, she will be impressed by this. No, actually, she's just going to sniff it. She's going to be like, fair play. Exactly. She's a dog. She'll just go, oh, shit, you own that now. Oh, no, that's cats. No, she will then follow that up by urinating as well on her own scooter. And then we'll just, they'll just sniff each other's bombs until <laughs> one of them... Oh, dogs are great. <laughs> I love dogs. The, the dogs are what's holding this nonsensical solar system together. <laughs> How many planets are going to be in this solar system? Because there are... Seven, Jim! Hell, there are a hell of a lot of alien species on this. Like, oh. are, there, are there multiple sentient species on every single planet? This isn't Albania in the 80s, Jim. You can have tourists. Albania. <laughs> That's the book I'm copy editing this week. <laughs> Wait, wow, that sounds like a page turner. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> New York Times bestseller list. Give is... it a few months. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what the doctor gave to her to get the stuff back. He was like, this tooth fell out of my mouth, you know, because of white up in the gunfighters. So I'm going to give you this, and that's really important, because it's like the plot point to a thousand fan books. <laughs> A thousand fan books. A thousand. Well, one. Well, okay, one. One, one still one. to be written. Be <laughs> <laughs> still to be written. What the fuck are you talking about? Have we you wrote it. it. We wrote it. Oh yes, we did. <laughs> oh, we're going to use it for a second. I thought that's what you were referring to. Oh shit! <laughs> Can't believe you forgot you wrote a book. I think Leon wrote that scene. Okay. Okay, so here's another question about that scene. <laughs> I'm not done with that scene. I thought scene. we'd wrapped it up. No, no, we're not done with this scene. Why don't they just take the TARDIS over? <gasps> that was my first question, but then I remembered that short trips are difficult in the TARDIS. Well, he just, he like uh, one episode ago, he landed it on a moving plane. Yeah, and whilst saying short trips are difficult in the TARDIS. Yeah, yeah so and if the, there's an alternative option there, then you would should take it. Yeah, and the TARDIS doesn't like Clara, so it's not going to go where she wants it to go. No, this is orbiting take to the moon a of a carton. I think in this scenario, there. the whole the TARDIS the doesn't carton. like Clara. A carton. <laughs> I think the whole the the TARDIS doesn't like Clara bit is a bit of a retcon. Yeah. Well, right? no, she says it. She actually says yeah, it. but what does she know? Because she's too new. She is new. Yeah. Like, they, they could absolutely try. Wouldn't the doctor, would the doctor know that the TARDIS doesn't like Clara? Or would the doctor go, here, let's try the TARDIS? Oh, that didn't work. I guess we have to go back to the dog now. I think the blame falls less on this episode than the TARDIS landing exactly where the doctor wanted it to in the previous yeah. episode. Because... Which was Moffat. brilliant! Yes, it was, it was brilliant. It was, but Moffat must have thought, ah, oh, TD, what did he know making the TARDIS land, you know, be being completely imperfect fucking Here, there, transition device? But now you can take it exactly where it wants to go. That should happen every single time. But yeah, it doesn't. It never. They never use the TARDIS in episode. They land and then they do their jig and then they leave. And it was only the last one that, that cocked that up. So no, I agree. Use the whatever the I don't know. Mm-mm. You know the moped. The yes, the, broom. <laughs> the piss-covered moped. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but now that's the most expensive moped in the history of the world. <gasps> oh my god! Because you've imbued <laughs> <in> memories <laughs> on this moped, and then that will be worth a fortune. That's how oh, she makes the money. How, how many toilets has the Doctor pissed in across the universe? You do this enough, by the way, and your currency will very quickly change to just plain urine. (laughs) (laughs) Yellow gold. (laughs) 
if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, I'm sorry. We, uh, we, I think you're welcome because this is brilliant. We're often less drunk. Not always, but often. <laughs> Occasionally. Mainly. Let's get into the good stuff. Go on then, Jim. Go on then. Have we properly dissected Matt Smith's big ass speech? No, oh. we haven't even touched on the big Yeah, yeah. Speech. No, take it away. Take it away. Well, I actually felt like I was aboard for the ride at the start of it. What? I, I, well, <laughs> the material is a bit shit. Mm-hmm. You're not selling it to me yet. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you were on board. But bloody hell, Matt Smith acts his blooming ass off. Yeah, because Matt Smith is brilliant. This is a lot more blooming than Jim says in real life. Well, I'd said a bloody, so I, <laughs> I threw in a blooming after. <laughs> it's, it sounds like a lot of hedging words trying to steer a point towards a conclusion we're not going to accept. Everybody agree with me. I'm saying blooming. No, I think um, I agree with I you, actually. I blooming well agree with Jim, yeah. actually. Yeah. See, it works. <laughs> I don't know. I think you've all been indoctrinated into the cult of the doctor. Indoctrinated. Yes. We got That's there. That's almost worth it. <laughs> no, he does a fantastic job. I absolutely agree with you. But it, isn't it weird that that has no effect? Surely at this point, in fact, there, there are two, two bits. I'll put a pin in the other one. And I'll get back to it at some point because I feel like I've been talking about it. Shave long, and so a haircut. Two bits. <laughs> What? <laughs> That's what that is! Does anyone understand that? Who had a haircut? No. Has okay, no, no one seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, I, but when I was yeah, a kid, I don't remember But that. I never understood what the reference was. Well, I mean, that's the tune. That's the words to the tune. Okay. Right, so getting back to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so there are two bits where the law of this episode doesn't quite tally. And one L-O-R-E? is... L-O-R-E? Yes. Right. Where, where you get the... One is the doctor going, here, have my memories, because the assumption up until this point, after almost 50 years of Doctor Who, is that his memories will supersede anyone else's memories. Mm. And surely just eating his memories, that's going to sate this son to the point where it's just like... I'm done. Like, I, I'm never going to snack again. That's definitely happened before. I'm sure that's happened before. Yeah, but that doesn't happen. No. But also, it doesn't... It do- I really expected him to lose his memories. It's like, take my memories as if they're going to disappear from his head. And it would. It, we should have had a really emotional scene with Clara coming to the rescue and him going, who are you? Like, oh, okay. Some consequence of this. Yeah, some cost it, to the doctor. Exactly. Yeah. Otherwise. Well, exhaustion is what I was thinking, yeah, because, if nothing else. Because but... we all know that with Moffat writing for the doctor, Moffat is more than happy to add and subtract memories. And it's constantly harping on about the value of memory. Souls are just made of memories in this episode. Mm. Why isn't the Doctor in danger of losing his soul? Is that not the stakes we should expect for a climax? Interesting you should say that, though, Drew. Oh. Because Neil Cross wanted this to end with the Doctor saving the day. And presumably presumably it would have been the, oh, this is too much for this this god to take. And he's going to just like, oh, explode on it all. And he won't end up eating it and the Doctor will be fine. That's a better ending. But Moffat got his two bloody feet in there and went, oh, you know what? I think I think we've done that before. Um, no, I, but I think I they think have sh- done that before. I think we before. should have Clara come in and do stuff. But because I, they have done that before. And I think if yeah. they'd have done that, we would have been sat here going, oh, we've seen this already. Like, uh, which, which is fair enough. Sure. But <clears throat> make it make sense. Yes. Okay, somewhere in between then. So fine, Let, let's mix it up a little bit. I, like I said before, I really like the leaf thing. That's a no, nice callback. Let's no, talk about, no, no, no. Let's it's talk a, about the leaf thing. Yeah. That's a nice, that's a super nice emotive 
evocative element of this story, but they completely glaze over the Doctor's yeah. memories, and that is wrong. Yeah, that's yeah. that was a bad call on Moff's part. That that yeah. leaf is not more powerful than the life that the Doctor has led. Well, it just, it just, I just don't. Um, I like, I love the scene where Clara comes to the rescue, and it is really emotive. Um, and I got very swept away with it. But as soon as you stop and sort of think about it, she's decided that this thing is food basically this this guy feeds on memories and i'm going to give you memories that were lost and have not happened and she's just decided this object means enough to like i don't know yeah no because that that leaf doesn't have the potential that her mother could have had and we don't even know what potential her mother had like she died fairly early on i think she's 45 but we don't yeah Yeah, but the the potential in this case is herself right or like no, I, all I, these... think that's, I think that's fine. Like I this leaf is basically. I took it to be. No, I think it's a mum. It's like the mum dying days young. of like she should have lived out until she was ninety or whatever. But and... but it's also her. Sure, but it's also uh, two other things. One is Clara herself, because if it hadn't been for this leaf, Clara wouldn't be there to hand it over. And the second thing is all of the potential life lived by the mum that only exists in Clara's head. Like only the life lived with with her mum, according to Clara. Yeah, but if you translate that to the doctor he's had to kill off he thinks a whole race of time lords he's thinking of how gallifrey could have gone on to survive the daleks yeah. at the end of the yeah. time war okay okay and isn't that they... more powerful yeah. okay so it's re- a whole planet of people it's not yeah. one dead mother okay red thing, it leaves the leaf the most important leaf in human history it's not it's the most important leaf to For her. her personally yeah. and her life but isn't that the whole thing with this currency that it is incredible like its value is subjective mm. but okay hang on retro rewrites proposal the doctor does his whole here have my memories fucking suck my dick and then the son goes <laughs> oh my god oh that was so much <laughs> i am i am like the son does the son equivalent of stumbling and and taking a beat because it is almost but not quite Almost done for. Yeah. No one else has any memories to boot. Like the, the the most that they can muster is the fish goes here. I have a pirate's treasure chest from my aquarium where I grew up. Yeah. Or because- the dog goes here. <laughs> I have a jar of a urine that someone whizzed on my scooter once. But then Clara goes and goes like, I have something that is more important to me than all of your things are important to you, and that it is this leaf mm. if it weren't for this this leaf is is me it is greater than me in fact all of yeah. your things are just like trinkets yeah and then she is the last straw that breaks the camel's back so to speak i'm i'm absolutely loving how you're interpreting this i have to say do you oh. interpret it differently then no i i didn't ever interpret it this way and i'm kind of thinking it might say a lot about the doctor because he 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 offers up what he did in the time war and what he did to gallifrey and all the gallifreyans time lords and i think if if we're accepting that this is a if this is a rewrite to to make it happen he basically didn't give a shit (laughs) didn't mean as much to him as the leaf does to clara yeah i mean Obviously, your memories are your memories, and I, I, I suppose there's never as much emotion in your memories as you can instill with, not necessarily an object, but just, just something that just comes at you and, you, and you suddenly you're flooded with emotion. And well, you know what? A bit bl- blindsided. Maybe this ties in with how you can have multi-Doctor episodes at all, because the Doctors who come along after John Hurt, the War Doctor, in the timeline, 
they don't remember this having happened because that's how they can all be experiencing it at the same time. So he doesn't have any memories of that event Ooh. to proffer. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Wait, did you just undo 50 years of Doctor Who? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think I undid this episode, at least. The thing is, I don't think this episode is that clever and deep with any of this stuff. I think they just went, ah, this leaf that's important to Clara is more powerful. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, this episode essentially says one over zero equals infinity. That's maths everyone gets behind, right? There's no problems <laughs> with that. Okay, yes, that's what we're making the effect in this episode. I, I, I mean, I hate to pull rank, but I've lost my mother, okay? And it doesn't mean millions and billions of days it just means another lifetime this is what the angels are stealing from people in their hotel that once existed in new york on a daily basis right i mean they're getting measurable manageable amounts of energy out of that so if if they can manage that then how come this sun which customarily it seems is is habituated to ingesting this energy it can't suddenly deal with this i mean come on it really i don't i really don't like that the sun die like it because as you say as soon as the sun collapses then the whole solar system is kaput and that's ridiculous if they'd have said this is an infinite amount of possibility so it's it's not just it's not just the potential that like she might have lived another like i don't know three thousand days it's that every day like had a thousand different possibilities whether you turn left or right or whether or whether you post credit sequence the kid puts on a beetle backpack and goes to school <laughs> but yeah there's an there's an infinite number of possibilities there and so if they'd have just said that's enough to feed the sun infinitely then the sun lives you don't need to sacrifice any children to it anymore and the solar system is fine you also sh- you should not did you just say this you shouldn't sacrifice the sun this episode no, should have yeah, ended with the sun exactly. falling asleep it yeah, shouldn't have ended it with it dying have imploded or, or, or well, wait wait yeah. does it implode because it seems to it implode. disappears it disappears it, but, but it, it seems to disappear first and then it comes back again and then it seems to disappear again <laughs> what well, i i I took that as just the way it eats, in a way. <laughs> like, because yeah. the doctor thinks he's satisfied it. And then it comes and back. And then it comes back. Yeah. So, but, but I think I think this is just a, a stupid effect they went with. Like, because the, they did the silly, and I, I get your point, Drew, about it being the snowman face. Like, it's, yes. it's a kind of, it's a reused face that they do on a sun. And why did they have to make the whole sun disappear when they could have just made the face disappear mm. or they could have had something kind of just like turn it into a sun eva- Ooh, evaporate like, yeah, into like this an, that's i love that idea inhabiting the sun so the sun's always there but it's yeah. exactly yeah, because if there are planets orbiting a star like you would assume that's abiding by the rules of the universe mm. like there are plenty of things that happen like that if not billions upon billions of things that happen like that. Yeah, so it should be cut to black should, at the end of it because yeah. it's just like perpetual darkness for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If the Doctor but, stands for one thing in this episode, it's the laws of physics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why not? But, but it should be that the weird thing is that there is an entity that exists within the the star. Yeah. And that entity is the thing that died. And yeah, it doesn't have to take the star with it. Is this a sun with a personality the way that the moon, our moon, has a personality in Capaldi times? In that it's a dragon. It's an egg. It's an egg, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Now, that's not the same. The, 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 the star 
is a being, an entity made entirely of energy. Because, yeah, the whole the dragon egg, we still need a, a dragon egg to do all the things with the tide and blah, 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 and whatever the moon does. And it was, didn't it, as soon it as... Does it does it really, though, because we get a fresh egg that no, is not the right size and probably not in the right position and our tides aren't No, there's an egg there. <laughs> Whereas it's here, like, fine. there's no sun whatsoever, but somehow there's lights. Yeah, I mean, they are fucked. <laughs> the way they ended this episode, they are fucked. <laughs> Yeah, but what I'm saying is, according to whatever law of thermodynamics it is, you can't just destroy energy. So even if the sentience of the energy is taken away from the energy, the energy and its reactions that it's perpetuating must still continue. So just leave the star in place, like Jim says. Yeah, that that would have made more sense. But but I'm I'm not gonna try to explain black holes and shit. Like <laughs> like stars collapse and stuff happens, but I have no idea what the fuck actually happens. You know, the, the energy can go. Well, you need a critical from mass some, from something that big. But yeah, you would you would expect more of an event, I suppose. <laughs> an event horizon, perhaps. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can I introduce a different related topic, though? So we haven't touched upon the religious aspect of this episode. No. I don't know if... Drew's saving it all for his article. Yeah. I am not. I knew it. <laughs> I was thinking Drew's going to have loads of opinions about the religious aspects of this episode, and he hasn't He hasn't given us one. He's scrolling through his phone notes right now, <laughs> podcast land. I've got material. <laughs> okay. Okay, so, so part of my material is talking about the Minotaur. In the last series, the God Complex. Oh. All right, yeah. Right? Because that was something, a, a, a figure from Greek myth that demanded various sacrifices. In that episode, it was a seemingly enlightened civilization that cast off its old gods and sent this minotaur in its labyrinth to journey among the stars and just hoover up, purge the faithful from the galaxy through which it travelled, which rather was self-defeating in a, as a sort of philosophical viewpoint. But here, right? <laughs> here one, one cool link, right, I found, is that the Minotaur, on Crete, the, the offspring of King Minos and Queen Pacify, it may have been a representation of their sun god as a bull. Pacify, wife of King Minos, was the daughter of Helios, the sun, and Persida, Daedalus, beat the, built the labyrinth for the Minotaur and the wings of wax with which his son Icarus flew too close to the sun. The sun is basically all throughout this stuff, right? The Cretan sun god was perhaps also identified with Baal, the golden calf the Israelites worshipped in Exodus 32. And in Exodus 32, right, the Israelites get impatient. They ask Aaron for a new god. He takes their gold rings. Wait, and- this is the whole Moses is up speaking to God on the mountain, right? Yep, yep. I fucking remember this from when I was a kid. <laughs> Beautiful. And I'm making a religious reference as an atheist, and I'm using the F word. Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> Aaron takes their gold rings and casts the image of a Melted into it. Yes, I remember this. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Which is precisely what God doesn't want. So, in a sense, this could just be a parable about not worshipping false gods, right? I got nothing to say against not worshipping false gods. Of course I don't want you to worship false gods. Stay tuned for pew 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 part three. <laughs> <laughs> 
in case you're interested, pew, 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 part two just published on whobackwhen.com by our very own Drew Backwhen. Hey. Thanks. Can I ask Drew another religious-themed question? Ooh. Oh, I'm bound to have the answers. Get into the point. <laughs> I was wondering if there was any level of the whole grandfather, which we're taking as an alarm clock, but could be seen as a manifestation of the same being. Like Jesus. Well, like oh. with the, the whole Father, so Son, and Holy Spirit mm. aspect. And oh. I, wasn't, I wasn't sure if, if you ever looked at it as, as anything along those lines or not. Ooh. I had not clocked that the mummy vampire might be this galaxy's version of Jesus Christ. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Isn't the girl Jesus Christ? If we're doing this as the no. Holy Trinity in Christianity, isn't the girl, because the girl is being no, sacrificed true, true. by the same law, Yeah, she right? would be Christ. Granddad would, would be the Holy Spirit. F- no, Father. Father. And then the big son is the Holy Spirit. Exactly, yes. Well, the thing is that Jesus sits at God's right hand, and so he's the mediator between everyone else and God, so he most naturally fits the mummy vampire mold. I mean, this is all relative. He doesn't very naturally fit <laughs> that mold. I have a question about the mummy vampire god person okay <laughs> yes yes they should have given him a name shouldn't he the, the, it's the, just been much easier to refer to the lady in the blue top with a hand up is he what is he is he, is he an, he's an alien species he's a species he's, he's some alien How other different get, they've kidnapped him to they the fucking abducted some alien species and put him in a plexiglass yeah, box he could be the brother of the mummy on the orient express for all we know <gasps> it's totally uncool this whole religion is founded he's on abduction just like banging on the box going let me out i don't want to be attached to this fucking sun god who eats little children he is <laughs> yes <laughs> yes no no he is some random species that lives an incredibly long time like the time lords who went like the minotaurs on, yeah who went on a fucking trip with some mush- <laughs> mushrooms no like on some mushroom trip oh right that kind of trip <laughs> yeah and and so his mind is just full of just like <laughs> memories and weird shit and just like this combination of things you could never imagine. And the sun just kind of latched onto him as just like, oh, this is just like breakfast, lunch, and tea all in one. You this know, do they just kind of like the society just threw him out there as just like, okay, we'll sacrifice you. And he never got eaten properly. And they thought, <laughs> okay, right, we'll just leave you there in the box and uh, I quite walk like away the, then. I quite like Marie's trip yeah. version, though, where I it's like, hey, Greta, where's the bodega? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, come this way. We'll show you all the local, where the locals hang out. And then just like put him in a box. Oh. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one we should really feel sorry for. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. He is Jesus. Oh. He wakes up oh. and he screams in agony because he's finally awake. He's really hungry. It's just like these bloody people yes. have been singing lullabies to me <laughs> for <laughs> millennia. Can I just say, when I Jesus- just want to go back to my family. <laughs> when Jesus came back, he wasn't really hungry. He just ate a couple of fish to prove that he was corporeally present. Didn't he, co- didn't he eat right. both thousand fishes? Not he fed happened. a couple of fishes and some loaves of bread to many thousands on a couple of occasions. I bet he ate more than the, f- the two fishes. I bet, <laughs> I, bet he, I bet he... It's like, one for you, one for me. Yeah, he, no, he famously... Yeah, two for me. <laughs> he famously put himself first. <laughs> no, that's just what came down to posterity. <laughs> we, we are inching to addressing the on-the-noseness of this episode, right? Okay, yeah. 
Can I say yeah. that actually one of the most on-the-nose things I found about this episode was the flashback to the mum saying, Clara, you'll never be lost, because I'll always be here, and I'll come and find you every single time. Every single time. <laughs> I mean, four-year-olds are crying. Not because the mother's dead, but because it's so fucking unsubtle. <laughs> It's horrendous. I believe I've read that about four-year-olds, actually. Also, yeah. <laughs> which four-year-old is like... hooked up to subtlety. <laughs> That's not your biggest fear as a four-year-old. Like, as a four-year-old, you wander off. You don't care who's around you. You just you just play until some adult comes and takes yeah. you home. It's parents of four-year-olds. That's their biggest fear. <laughs> yeah. That's because you grew up in the North, and everyone in the North is a kind-hearted, generous individual. About, I'll take you home to your mum. Don't you worry. Love. But down here in the South... It's dog eat dog. <laughs> you stay in your family unit or you die. <laughs> I think as a four-year-old, my biggest worry was not finding enough worms to eat. Or Worms to eat? Is that how you grew so tall? <laughs> Extra protein. Protein. <laughs> I have a problem with Clara talking to Mary. I mean, most of the time, Clara's very good with Mary most of the time, right? She is good with children the same way Matt Smith is good with children. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. That's one of my notes is that Char- Clara, Charla, Clara is so good with children. Charla. <laughs> Charla from a quarter. <laughs> oh, Charla, darling, where did you go on your garp here? Does oh, it ring some quarter? Oh my god, yeah. You have to like, see it totally in the winter. It's so good. I visited some temples in a cotton. So <laughs> anyway. Drew was saying something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Marie. <laughs> Drew. Both. It's another one of these points in the episode I mentioned earlier where the characters don't act naturally in their own context. Clara tells this kid a completely alien story about yeah I was on Blackpool Beach and I was surrounded by 10 billion children and my mum took me to get fish and chips and the Mary should say what's fish you... and chips yeah what's fish and chips were you <laughs> really surrounded Blackpool? by 10 billion children that's an enormous beach maybe the TARDIS translation matrix is changing this anecdote to something relatable to Mary so that to Mary it's like oh I went with my maternal pod to the <laughs> the oceanic border uh, where they fed me <laughs> you know, yeah, but, but Kreplach and Brachnuchach. <laughs> she's like, oh, yes, I remember it fondly. But then Mary would just say, what's an oceanic border? We're a floating waterless rock around a sun in space. Wait, you grew up with an abundance of liquid? We'd die of thirst on this <laughs> spatial desert. We, we drink purely bottled water. What is this bottled beach? Wa- what is this bottle you speak of? <laughs> Some sort of translucent receptacle for liquid which we don't have? <laughs> exactly. This episode should have been two hours long at least. <laughs> this episode should be called Rings oh of God. Dying of Thirst. <laughs> That's the next audio book. <laughs> it's just a convoluted translation. <laughs> Because in that scene, I, <laughs> I was not entirely sure whether Clara said most of it out loud, whether she just drifted off into the distance and had a memory, because she didn't seem to 
tell out loud the story about her mum coming town to rescue her all the time. She just seemed to look whimsical. Wait, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> She said to the little girl, she said, I was on a beach in Blackpool. There were 10 billion people around me. We had fish and chips. It was great. And then she like looks (laughs) off into the distance. And then we have a flashback. And then when we come around, she's still gazing off into the distance. Then she turns to Mary and she's like, and that, and it was a great day. Cut to the inside of Clara's brain. I don't give a shit about anyone else. (laughs) Blackpool for the win. (laughs) I think think Mary, as the queen of years, must have developed an enormous capacity for patience. I mean, imagine the shit people say to the Dalai Lama throughout his entire life. I mean, how do you retain equanimity while everyone's just just spewing out their daily ephemera and trivia and also, to this guy? Mary, she's literally everybody's like, oh, I've got a thing that you should remember. This is really important. Remember this, Mary. <laughs> Everyone she meets. Okay, okay. I've got a question for Leon. Oh, Ooh. really? Oh, I've got a question for you. Oh. There is a point in this episode where the aliens are all singing their hymns and mm-hmm. the doctor is trying gamely, haltingly, to sing along. You, Leon, have sat in a church in the last seven days. Perhaps I have. you've even stood up with the rest of the congregation as they did. Did this moment resonate with you? Uh, so, as a Jewish atheist, uh, I have to say... <laughs> Definitely, I did think back to that church service whilst watching this, because this is, I mean, I viewed this as an episode with a blatant religious undertone, and uh, the only thing I can say really is that this was nowhere near as entertaining as the church service I went to. (laughs) (laughs) There was no drama, there was no electric guitar. There were no key changes. At some point off the air, maybe we... go, she did high and low. (laughs) I still say that was dubbed. Yeah, ish, ish, ish. At some point maybe off the record, you and I can sit down and have a chat about the whole religious aspect of the church service that we went to, but compared to that... This episode, boring! (laughs) (laughs) So if I might interject to this point, because I've been to many a church service Mm -hmm. when I was younger, and this did ring a lot of bells for me as well, in a very negative way. And I I think that was possibly the intention. I think this was trying to be the kind of lip service to religion. I think maybe that was... right. Okay. The kind of like they they passed this knowledge through centuries without ever really understanding it. They put belief into the wrong thing. They thought the granddad was really the the thing that they were worshiping, but it turns out is this old god that the doctor just goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's not that. It's it's this thing over here." And I don't know if it was a massive dig at religion. I don't know. I don't think Drew probably interpreted it that way. He's nodding along with me and kind of agreeing with stuff. But I, I think it was just one of those kind of like, ah, this this is what someone grew up with as, you know, uh, kind of not devout Christian in the UK, which is probably the majority of people. I think I think I did interpret it as quite a dig at religion. Do you think? I think I interpret really? most Doctor Who episodes that tackle religion as a bit of a dig at religion. Because it just felt like all these people are devout and believing in this one thing and this one thing turns out to be bullshit. So, I don't know. I suppose. But compare this to other episodes of Doctor Who. I mean, we've often on this podcast said, oh, wow, yet another time Doctor Who criticizes religion in one way or another. Compared to that, isn't this slightly more on religion's side, so to speak? There's that... What? Hang on, no, wait. (laughs) (laughs) I was was agreeing with Marie and Jim, and then you came in and was like... (laughs) So, no. <laughs> okay, okay, so in, in most cases, I'm saying in most cases, but possibly in moff cases, Doctor Who's view on religion is, 
it's all bollocks. Science wins. Religion, like science prevails. But how religion is, that is in this episode. Well, yeah, but but in this episode, we get the doctor who normally, in Moff's words, says science prevails and religion is secondary and also invalid slash incorrect. In this case, the doctor goes. It's a quote, nice story. That's at the beginning. It's, it is at the beginning, right? Right. Okay. So later, but he, but he on. is there. This whole episode is. <clears throat> it, I mean, if we set aside the fact that it all goes tits up, this whole episode you can't do that. No, 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 no. You have to because what? yeah, yeah. Wait, hear me out. So <laughs> you have to set that aside because the doctor's intention is to bring Clara to an quote, quote awesome experience, like an awesome place and an awesome time, a point in time and space in the universe, right? And from the doctor's point of view, he is going. You know what? This religious experience is not my religion, it's not her religion, but it is someone's religion. This is a, a lovely point in space and time. It is, in fact, underscore, an awesome point in space Wait, and actually, time. There is an additional as well, because I think Clara outright asks them whether there is truth in their beliefs. Yes, and exactly. And he responds with... It's a nice story. They, they believe it. Yeah, that's that's enough. Yeah, no, but I but n- no, because I t- I take that I took that the opposite. I took that as him saying no, it's bullshit. Oh really? Yeah. I took that no, the I, exact. No. I took that as respect. Well, no. respect. Yes, respect of a religion you don't believe. But exactly. Respect in the religion itself. Yeah, that was I my t- view well, as well. No, that's, I took that as him saying I I know better. This is what they believe. But yeah. this is a cute superstition. Yeah. But then when it comes to the song that has been perpetuated for millions of years unbroken and the chorister the final chorister in the link he says okay the song ended with me and the doctor's like ah yeah the song's over so what so he actually wasn't respecting it at all yeah okay i missed that line but i don't feel like that was the general takeaway from this episode Seriously, if you compare this to most other episodes where there is any, any representation of religion of any kind, be it an an existing known Earth religion or some made-up space religion, whatever, somewhere on in a different galaxy and people believe in worship and whatever, normally Doctor Who slash Moffat will go, this is bullshit, these people are primitives for believing in anything but science. And in this case, the Doctor himself seems to, at least this was my point of view, he exhibits a certain... Like an understanding that, you know what, everyone doesn't agree on this point and that's fine and I'm completely happy with other people having other theories about the origin of the world. And it seemed, for lack of a better word, it seemed respectful compared to other episodes, prior episodes of Doctor Who. And possibly the reason for that is that this was not written by Stephen Moffat. I don't know, it depends on how you interpret nice story, whether you interpret it as respectful or just patronising. I well, I definitely interpreted it as patronising. And what did you think? Oh, exactly that. Yeah, I did. I took it as just him kind of probably being on his best behaviour in front of Clara and not wanting to be like all religion is stupid. Um, and so just kind of being like, oh yeah. yeah. Right, Do fine. you want to see something but, special? There yeah. are these thousands of alien species here and they all believe the same bullshit. Can you believe that? Like she was there to see the spectacle. She wasn't there to see this is what, this is the origin of the universe. This is like, this is true. Okay. So what's the alternative? The alternative is that the doctor goes, yeah, it's true. This is what happens, but that's not his religion. He is not, I think probably by definition, not a religious individual. Yeah. He doesn't have faith beyond whatever he himself as an individual can prove the other alternative is that he lies 
Uh, so why, why would he lie? If he lies, then he would go, oh, by the Sorry, way, Clara, that, that, that everything <laughs> that you have been taught growing up on Earth, where they don't know about this place, they don't even know that this place exists, all of that stuff is untrue, this is true. What, the way I interpreted it, and I have no idea if this is how it was written, was it was actually uh, a little nod to multi-faith acceptance. Like, we have multiple faiths on our planet. Yeah. They agree on certain things they contradict other things you cannot look at one faith and say that is definitely the answer that's that's kind of a given like like one or multiple of them are wrong in some respect or another whereas the doctor was kind of looking at and saying this is what these people believe who am i to say it's wrong that's the way i kind of interpreted it yeah same here there was an excitement there was there was a i'm not gonna look at clara and say I don't know what you believe. I don't know what these people believe. But I know something totally above that. And you're both wrong. He he was just saying, you know what? They believe it. That's good enough. Where I think that interpretation falls down is when the Doctor is trying to convince Mary that actually your religion is entirely all bullshit, okay? This entire structure is a fallacy. Let me tell you some basic physics science about how the stars are formed and how, over millions of years, the processes result in the atoms that become your body. And her character is written as such that she goes along with it. But, and but, that is but, the falsest part of this episode. But she's 10 years old. Exactly, I was going to say, but she's a child. Yeah. She doesn't have, and she's not expected to have the agency of an adult character in this case. And I also but, think but dude, the, the dude, only dude, thing I'm... that you're criticizing in this point, or possibly that you're that you're considering a fallacy, is the origin the 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 genesis element of this religion the thing that i don't think anyone including the doctor objects to here is the fact that this tradition is keeping them alive yeah he, the, the, he is very respectful i think that's the point it's like this is very early on the thing that we're referencing he's, like he's respectful to the civilization that they are going to visit yeah, as, the, as he is with basically everything he goes to the only thing that he says is a nice story is the genesis story is their version of genesis yeah. everything else he never touches upon yeah no, right he, yeah you're right yeah in fact if anything he kind of collaborates he helps them to keep their version of the evil the satan the whatever asleep at the beginning, but you can't just stick no. At the end, with that's the, the combination beginning. of this yeah, episode. But, but that, that's that's what he, he's come to that situation with a knowledge. Of, like Clara's asked for something awesome, he's gone. I'm going to show you the rings of a Colton <laughs> because he went there with the granddaughter, granddaughter. Susan, and, and they they saw something. They interacted with presumably some of the the people because that's the kind of thing he does. And he had a good time. And but he probably didn't look into the whole kind of makeup of their civilization. Now he's thrusted into a situation where a child is literally being sacrificed. She's about to be devoured, as as he understands it, by what at first he thinks a vampire. And later on, there's this obviously the star thing coming into it. And yeah, he changes his opinion on what is worth preserving. Like, do you preserve the makeup of that civilization? They believed these things. Or do you just suddenly go, you know what, actually, you're killing people. I'm yeah. not okay with that. Okay, so the Doctor is acting in tune with his character, but this is subservient to the writer's intent, and that is ultimately what dictates everything and where we must draw the conclusion from of what this episode is trying to teach us and all the viewers. So Neil Cross's intention must have been like, you know what, some religions can look right from the outside, and look, I believe there are 
exactly one fewer false gods than the most million militant atheist thinks, right? Like, if, if a militant atheist thinks there are 6,300 false gods, I think there are 6,299 false gods. I'm with you all the way, apart from the one that I'm holding on to, right? But, so Neil Cross is saying, like, okay, yes, this looks great from the outside, but once you dig a little deeper, and we can do this in the the duration of a 45-minute episode, actually, you'll realise that it's all complete bollocks. And, you know, they're asking things of thee which you could not be possibly... Okay, but, but, oh, sorry. I was going to say, Jim. would it be different if this was set historically on Earth and they were talking about a Norse god? Holy shit, we just had a telepathy moment. <laughs> 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 Go ahead, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, because it's effectively a situation we've got. It's, it's, it's something that as an outsider, you can look at and go, well, we've we've had the peep behind the curtain. Like, this was not a god that we would understand. It's it's the one step removed from what we understand to be where you might put a god, but then as soon as you get that extra step, you realize it's not a god. Yeah, that's, that's the set, yeah. setup they've got. I yeah, mean, once... say, say that we have a friend who's Buddhist or who's anything other than yourself. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you name some other religions so it's not like you're picking on Buddhists now? That's <laughs> <laughs> goddamn Buddhists. Muslims, uh, Hindus, Hindu. Hindu. <laughs> Jews, Norse. Yeah, okay, so. Uh, <laughs> Ancient Greeks. I know at least one person who used to be. Uh, used to subscribe to the, the whole Norse mythology thing, even in our day and age. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, so. How did that work out? Well. Uh, <laughs> Would would you not, I mean, not exactly in these words, but with the same tone that the doctor goes, it's a nice story. I mean, like, genuinely a heartfelt statement. It's a nice story. But that's it. No statement about, do you believe in it? Do you endorse it? Or do you disprove it? But that's just being, you don't have to take a stand. That's just being a decent human being. Like, you don't have to yeah. go and point fingers and go, exactly. you're stupid and that's bullshit. Exactly. But you can still appreciate the, the coexistence of not, someone who has a different theory, right? Not, not necessarily. Like, I, d- I think... Him saying it's a nice story is t- is is a patronizing thing. Is saying, oh, it's you know, it's what they believe, but it's wrong. Like, I don't, okay. I don't see it as a respectful thing at all. I think Clara's supposed to read between the lines, and she says, "Is it true?" He says, "It's a nice story." That's him saying, "No, it's not true." I love that we are fifty-fifty <laughs> divided on this topic. <laughs> I'm too drunk to reach a coherent conclusion on this. Sorry, everybody. Read, we- read pew 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 number three as Leon has uh, signposted. Pew, pew, pew. Yes. Shall we jump into okay. ratings? Less. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. I'm glad to be going first, actually, because I'm just gonna. All I'm gonna do is read all my notes that I didn't get to say, and uh, they're fascinating. So you're gonna love it. I've said Clara is very good with children, but I'm gonna repeat. I've repeated that because that was nice. So is um, she good with children? She's really good with children. Oh, okay, cool. Wait, I wish who's, I'd said that. Which is who's nice. good with children? What's she good with? <laughs> Children. All oh, right. It's Which episode nice. is this? Gotcha. Wait, hang on. Can because you spell that, please? <laughs> when she was old Victorian Clara, she was uh-huh. also good with children. She so was. it's a nice running theme. And in the future, she's going to be a teacher of children. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> good. Uh, my second point, I really liked uh, that I wrote about the lullaby scene is so lovely, but I am so stressed that it's going to go horribly wrong. And it did. It did. Never mind. Anyway, we don't walk away <laughs> is a thing that the doctor said. 
Yes, that's a recurring and thing. And this episode really reminded me of the episode with Amy Pond on the good ship Britannia with the whale. You know the one. Just to clarify, sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but did he say that right after or before or after he walked away from Clara at the market? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't walk away. He just like hid under a shroud and she was go- and then she walked away. Right, okay, sorry. Walked away. <laughs> You're talking about the beast below. I am talking about the beast below. And mm. in the beast below... <laughs> The whole, which I think they're very similar episodes, actually, if you take them apart. Ooh. And um, the whole premise of that was we don't get involved. We don't. We, we are here as observers. We're not involved, blah, blah, blah. And then until there's a young girl crying and then we get involved. Oh, that's genius, Marie. Isn't it? And this time around. And that was written by Stephen Moffat. What? <laughs> <laughs> this time around. The mantra is, we don't walk away. And then there's a young girl crying. And then it becomes, no, we have to save her. We have to... like, And it's just a, such a better attitude from the doctor. And that's what it should be about. And that's great. When we are holding on to something precious, we run. Because this was what Doc said to counteract the whole we don't walk away thing. And um, I thought that was such a lovely line. Because how can you how can you not run when someone says that to you and you've got this small child... At your hand, you've got to protect the small precious thing. So it's very nice. I like that too. Yeah. Oh, and then my <laughs> final note: I cried when Clara got her ring back. I genuinely did. Actual tears, tears of sadness and oh, wow. joy and whatever they were. I was very emotional. And therefore, I've been. Do you know this has been an emotional episode? There are holes. Obviously, there are holes. It's all bullshit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all bullshit. But I enjoyed it. T-shirt. <laughs> it was very emotional. <laughs> Everyone's lovely. I like Doc's soliloquy. I know you all think it was khaki, but... I'm... Jim doesn't. Uh, well, no, Jim doesn't. And I don't also. And I think it's fantastic. And therefore, <sighs> yeah, that's good. So I'm going to give it... I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a really, really freaking high score. I think actually, I'm gonna give it like a three point eight. Oh my Wait, goodness! What? What? <laughs> what? Classic Marie yet again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing! That was the score I had in my head when I watched it, and I was like, I'm sure they'll beat me down. And all amazing. you've done, all you've done, is beat me down, and I just. <laughs> I just don't care. <laughs> no, fuck it. Fuck you. Load of men talking. What do they know? It was emotional. I liked the interaction with Clara and the little girl. All the alien characters were fantastic. It's great. What is the film where at the end of it, possibly Jason Statham or someone who sounds a lot like him says, it's been emotional. <laughs> I think that's Lock Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. I think it might be, yeah. Well, that's exactly how I feel right now. <laughs> Jason Statham, <laughs> you've got me. Okay, fantastic. 3.8 from Marie. Who's next? Shall I go next? All right. This episode is bullshit from top to bottom. <laughs> <laughs> the second Clara in with the mummy vampire in the little catacomb scene, whatever. She says, he's ugly. Mary should scream at Clara. That's blasphemy. What the fuck are you saying? He's going to eat us all now because I can't tell the difference between grandfather and the old god. Nobody in this episode acts how they should act. And it's all because they are not actually dealing with the features of this episode at all. They are trying to make a broader point and they're trying to clumsily poke out at the real world and pay as little attention to what's actually going on in this episode as possible. When Clara says, oh, is there an old god? Should we be worried about an old god? And the doctor says, unfortunately, there is. 
She has heard the chorister singing about an old god interminably for ten minutes. She's asked a question of the doctor, to which he's replied, yeah, he's going on about the old god, and now she's acting like an ingenue. It's bollocks. None of this episode hangs together, and it's because Neil Cross has to get his tingles out of making a stab at religion, which they do not stick the landing, okay? If you are going to poke at religion, do it well. I mean, come on, disabuse me of my erroneous notions. I am willing to learn, but you guys are not convincing me. And I'm not saying that you're not convincing me is proof that I am right. I'm just saying that you could do better. All of you, you could all do better. Anyway, (laughs) what was I talking about? My it's own very mo- bullshit. This episode, pew, pew, pew. <laughs> honestly, sorry. This episode is bad, but it's not absolutely terrible. At least not in the way I remembered. After the first twenty minutes, I was thinking, do you know what? This might be okay. But then it weirdly slows down. Whether because of the budget or the writing, we start wading through treacle. Very little new happens after that point, apart from the completely obvious. Most of what we've seen just a few minutes earlier starts getting reused. It's gauche. It has something to say about false gods, but it doesn't ring true. The singing is, once again, the worst part about this episode. Can nobody write songs for this show? Get someone who's won Eurovision in onto the writing (laughs) stuff. I mean, we just don't have it as a country anymore. I would say Clara is quite good in her first off-world adventure. Despite all of her clunky dialogue with the Doctor, she delivers it. Jenna Coleman delivers it the best that she can. Okay? So, all of that put together equals a (gasps) 1.1. This episode is all over the place. I love this. Um, Sorry, I've just remembered when you said about how good Jenna Coleman was, I've just remembered about how great she was in another scene and it was when she was sat at the right at the beginning she was sat on the bottom of the stairs she was waiting for the doctor and she did nothing like her face she just she acted Emotive. with her forehead somehow like no, everything she did was I know, fantastic. I know what you mean I, you're talking about the scene where she where she's looking at the book yeah and it's the book that says everything to her about how she's lost her mother and everything that's missing the future days from her life that she yeah. never got to live and she hears the TARDIS whooshing and her eyes pick up and a smile plays at the corner of her mouth and the doctor coming back does not cancel out her mother not being around anymore it does not i'm not sure that's what this episode is going for though like i I don't know if if that's necessarily a failure on the part of this episode does that make sense no i i get what you mean i I think they're they're aiming for that she's got this hope of travel and adventure and the doctor comes and he like her sat on that step is her waiting to see if you if he will come and make good his promise yeah because she said i i just need a day to think about it and he comes back that's what that's what she's waiting for and you know what i'll give you that <laughs> yeah you've convinced me my beliefs are defeasible i also feel like maybe like the um the thing with the book and now she now she's getting to travel someone's come to kind of take her away sweep her off her feet show her the universe it's kind of honoring the mother's memory in a way as well because she the mother has instilled this love of travel in her i don't know i think it's nice yeah that's totally what i get as well yeah yeah no i'll I'll give you that i'm sorry i shouted at you a minute ago (laughs) that's okay i'm fine (laughs) (laughs) thank you for forgiving me (laughs) right who's next who's gonna follow uh, that review then (laughs) i'm so glad i went first (laughs) jim you me uh if you want i'll take a bullet for this one (laughs) 
Okay, all right. Are you going to sacrifice yourself by going first? <laughs> uh, I, I, I will. So one of the benefits of having had a little bit of extra time before we recorded this is that I've actually drewed this and I've prepared a little bit of a mini. So I, I'm going to say the following. And I'm going to preface this by saying I am nowhere near as disappointed by this episode as I thought I would be. We've been talking this episode down for for multiple reviews now. I did not realize it wasn't going to be quite as bad as that. <laughs> so that said, I want to add brilliant special effects, except for that moped scene, excellent production values, and an overall cool Mos Eisley vibe cannot salvage this dangling scrotum of an episode. Oh, <laughs> oh double bluff! <laughs> Matt Smith's doc is his regular brilliant self, although I fear he was made to overdo it slightly when he was talking at a son. And uh, Clara is good and gung-ho, even though she took great liberties with the plot. They haven't established her to a point where she should be comfortable enough to offer up the TARDIS to a random space girl. Anyway, the plot itself shows great potential and even greater universal scope. Uh, That is, I'd like to see more of a universe where little floating shooks or space Tangier or Morocco or, well, uh, Casablanca, whatever, scattered about the place. I'd like to see that. However, we don't. I, I, I loved their psychological currency, but we don't get to see that much of this side of the universe. Instead, we get a heck of a lot of singing, which, frankly... I do not care for. I'll touch <laughs> you, upon... Re- you are the master of understatement. <laughs> <laughs> I'll touch upon religion as well and say that religion was dealt with, in my opinion, rather nicely in this episode. That's what I thought, particularly given the way that faith is normally handled on the show. However, and I say this with all due respect, what kind of Logan's Run lullaby nonsense is this? <laughs> Just kill the guy in the box and you will live forever in harmony. And does every different species that visits this planet believe this is the best or only or only just course of action? There's no... Is there no one there who thinks there are better ways to die than to take your chances with a little space girl who might choke up or not have cleared her pipes, as it were? Ah, Uh, Dude, just because you're an immigrant who's resisted the pressure to conform... Dude, what if... What if she gets stage fright? She nearly did. She very nearly Selena gomez her gig and killed <laughs> everyone. Murder the dude in his sleep. Jesus, okay? But evidently, <clears throat> they cannot think outside the box. Plus, the pacing is all wrong. So what I've done in uh, my little mini-review is I've added, I've compartmentalized this and I've given ratings for various aspects of this. And I've said... Clara's backstory, 4.1. I like it. Doc being a creepy peepee, by which I mean him being, uh, him him conducting research. I'll retcon this and say 3.4. It's always research. (laughs) Surprisingly good child actor, 3.6. Psychological currency, 3.5. Singing, (laughs) 0.7. Plot, 2.2. Squandered potential, 2.8. Abrupt love conquers all style ending, 2.0. Do you mean squandered potential infinity? (laughs) (laughs) The fact that they're now all doomed to die in darkness, 1.0. Oh, overall production value, excluding the moped scene, 4.4. The moped scene, (laughs) (laughs) 1.1. This brings us to an average of... 2.6. 2.6. Oh, wow. <laughs> In conclusion, this episode is Acker Pants. 
2.6. Just the best riddling. I think you mean a cop. A cop. Very true. A car keeper. Jim, over to you. That, wow! Thank you for that awesome little mini there. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, no, that, that was not little, and it was not mini. <laughs> Michael Ridgway is fuming right now. <laughs> that was more than five hundred words. We should have cut you off. <laughs> I don't really know what's left to say. Really, I think it, it's. Uh, I've had an interesting roller coaster listening to these little minis there because I have no preparation for what I actually think about this episode. <laughs> Jim, by the way, Podcast Land wasn't originally going to be on this recording at all. Yeah, so I, Jim had zero notes when we started yeah. this episode. Absolutely Super zero. duper glad that you joined us. <laughs> the only notes I had, which I'm going to put out here, because we didn't get them on that earlier, um, is that there were a couple of Blade Runner references Ooh. during this episode. Okay. So the Doctor says at one point, I think it's the Doctor, I've seen things you wouldn't believe, I think in his big speech, which is a reference to Roy Batty oh. in Blade Runner. And then, right at the end, he says, home again, home again, jiggity jig. Jiggity jig. Even, if I'd... Jiggity jig. Jiggity jig. Which is a direct reference to a, a poem. I didn't realise actually it was a reference to a poem in the first place. Well, a kind of nursery rhyme type thing. But I know it from Blade Runner as well. And it is apparently meant to be an intentional reference from Blade Runner. Really? Because J.F. Sebastian makes his own little toy companions. And one of them... Oh. Every time he comes home, greets him with home again, home again, jiggity jig. Yes, you're right. That's right, yes. I would really it's the little nutcracker character, right? Like yeah, yeah. To yeah, yeah. interject as well, because after we'd watched this episode and Jim had had his Blade Runner revelation and we'd and we'd chatted about that for a little while, then I went on Facebook as you do, and what was the first thing I saw? <gasps> I screenshotted it for you. Oh, wow. We had a, a super coincidence. Literally. Yeah. A friend of all of ours. A friend's father just posting, oh, I had a lovely day out. Home again, home again. Jiggity jig. That is crazy. That is super freaky. Can I add on top of that, that one of the things my mum used to say every time we came home was home again, home again, jiggity jig. Oh my God. What? And that is part of the reason why this episode is quite such a complex experience for me. Oh. 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 Right. That's Sorry, everybody. Nice, but that's a nice thing. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry. Carry on, Jim. <laughs> Carry on, Jim. Sorry. <laughs> so that, I, I liked find, finding little things like that in the episode, which is quite a minor point, but I, I felt like that was possibly at the heart of this episode a little bit. Some Someone, I don't know if it was Neil Cross or if it was Stephen Moffat or just the production team in general, was trying to instill a bit more in this than they had any right to. <laughs> Because they didn't have a great base to start with, quite potentially, when the you read the script and you were kinda of like, Really? <laughs> really? This is this is the resolution, this is this is what you wanna do. Okay, oh, yeah. And so Leave it out. Leave it out, yeah. <laughs> Someone went, you know what? I've always wanted to do a kind of Moss Eisley type scene with loads of aliens. Ah, this this guy's always wanted to make fifty alien prosthetics. Let's get that in this episode. <laughs> Someone else went. Oh, I always wanted to get some Blade Runner quotes in there. Yeah, 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 there we go. That's, that's that done. You know, and uh, I don't know. So, so obviously, a lot of people kind of came together and went like, "This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna make this awesome to make it awesome for Clara." But ultimately, it didn't really work, though. That's that's the kind of feeling I I get it. Oh no, here we go. Get away from it. And I. Like, I think everyone has said 
I was surprised how much I did enjoy this. Like, I was expecting to really hate it. Especially as we have literally been saying, Rings of a Carton. <laughs> a Carton? As an offensive <laughs> phrase. Let's, let's not beat around the bush. That's an offensive phrase we're saying there. Wait, yes. no, 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 no. I will beat around the bush. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, well, given half a chance. <laughs> Like, Touche. <laughs> <laughs> None of us were expecting this to give us any entertainment value. And I actually got quite a lot of entertainment value. Even the Doctor's grand speech, which was mostly bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going to be bollocks the second he stood there. Matt Smith acted his fucking heart, legs, face, whatever you want to do. Off. Ass off chin. Exactly. <laughs> chin. Def- definitely chin. Definitely chin. And when the tears rolled down his cheek because he was so emotive, I was fucking right there with him. And then he ends it and, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's just it is bollocks, really, isn't it? <laughs> like, you, you did an amazing job with it, but it's bollocks. D- DVD cover. <laughs> it is bollocks, yeah. really, isn't it? <laughs> which, which is kind of the shame thing about this. This entire episode, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of heart there. There are some interesting ideas. I still think they were trying to be respectful with the religious acts aspect. I totally understand how it can be interpreted a different way, and I can kind of get that I'm totally wrong with that as well. That they they intended to be actually insulting. I kind of hope that's not the the approach because I think as Leon hit on very aptly, I think that's Moffat's thing. That's not most writers on Doctor Who's thing. They they rather just focus on the sci-fi, and if religion is brushed against, it's generally treated with a more mm, reverent thing. I don't know, or, or at least more ambiguity. Yeah, ambiguity. That's that's probably the better way of saying. Um, so I, I'm giving it a pass for that. I, I don't think they were out there to offend. I don't think they were out there to write a kind of like sideline episode either. I think they were out there to write what they thought was possibly a landmark episode in this kind of uh-huh, uh-huh. area of who it's just a shame they didn't quite hit it so i gonna give them a benefit of the doubt i'm gonna think that i enjoyed most of it but there were a lot of problems and i'm gonna go just above average with 2.8 oh, oh so close oh, my oh i expected a 2.7 from you oh <laughs> all right okay oh, wow. fine i'll change that yeah <laughs> leon let me in on that predicted rating before jim said it and my goodness you were getting better at this <laughs> it's just because he changes it every other word <laughs> like everything's great oh five points uh, from, <laughs> uh, oh no, but this thing's bad oh well, 1.4 4. <laughs> oh yeah this was a thing that i wanted to remember to ask you about and i forgot but it's in this the big doctor's speech he says um i walked in universes where the laws of physics were devised by a mind of a madman and I wanted to ask you whether that was a reference to an old serial. And it is um, oh. The Three Doctors. <gasps> oh, three wow. Doctors, apparently. The three That's cool. Time Lord Omega has been banished to the antimatter universe where his will is the only thing yes. that maintains reality. Yes. But his exile caused him to become insane. I never would have called that reference. Uh, but, but yeah, definitely. But I, see, I heard that and I was like, oh, I bet that's, I bet that's talking back to something that's happened. Now let's hear from podcast land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Right, Rooney and cheese nozzles. We have a metric not ton of listener minis, by which I mean we have a few. 
We're going to start with, in chronological order, Star Wars Sill, Star Wars Sill, Star Wars Sill. Star Wars Sill begins. This episode was quite a mixture of things. A bit of Teen Wolf, the Dread Doctors put in an appearance. Sorry, I mean to say the Vigil. A hefty dose of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, the Old God, and a Thrones occupant from Star Wars, the Old Republic, colon, Warfalokath, in brackets, the Grandfather. The marketplace actually felt like there were a lot of different species of aliens present, and their masks were quite good. I liked when Tiny Clara kicked the ball and it hit the doctor in the head. And Star Wars still concludes with a rating of 1.9 out of 5 planet monsters. (gasps) Great, great rating. Oh, wow. To be honest. Star Wars Sill, thank you so much for writing in. <laughs> thank you, Star Wars Sill. Podcast Land. Thank you, Star Wars Sill. Please follow Star Wars Sill on Twitter. Oh, my God, we're so drunk. <laughs> Please follow Star Wars Sill on Twitter. Star Wars Sill can be found. <laughs> at, Star, at Star Wars Sill. That's at Star Wars Sill. At Star Wars Sill. Next up, we Who's have next? Michael Ridgway. Ridgway. <laughs> Hello, Michael. Love you, Michael. Hi, Michael. Michael. Hi. Michael begins. <laughs> <laughs> Things that could have been. Fantastic concepts. An ancient ritual slash celebration to prevent catastrophe echoed Cabin in the Woods and the Wicker Man. A world-consuming parasite planet is undeniably cool. Ooh. Excellent references. The alarm clock monster awakes. Clearly a homage to the child eater in Pan's Labyrinth. Not a bargain basement ripoff with an OTT doctor killing any tension and terror. Oh. I like the reference to an alarm clock. I don't get the Pan's Labyrinth <laughs> reference though. Have you not seen Pan's Labyrinth? I have, but like years ago. Yeah, I remember. That's literally the only thing I remember. Palm eyes. Yeah. Michael continues with... With awesome alien costumes. Yes. It would have been all too easy to slap cheap rubber masks or black nylon tights on actors' heads. Yeah, but why? You know, they're not mutually exclusive. I'm I'm a big... As a big fan of black nylon... (laughs) And heads. And heads. That's another... Wait, no. (laughs) I'm not going there. Okay, next up. (laughs) Good use of the Sonic. Oh, Shit, this was a note of mine, and it's the opposite of what Michael said. I think no. I know what you're about to say. Oh, this is what I, this was the no, point that I mentioned before I wanted Marie to- has also raised her hand. Yes. I was just I was I was doing I was opening the door with my Sonic. <gasps> yes you were! Yes, this is the thing that I wanted to say because I think that you've mentioned Sonics quite a lot, Drew, on, on New Who reviews. I have probably actually been? we all probably have, actually, to be mm-hmm. fair. The overuse of Sonics is... I was going to mention this as a bad thing about this episode. Yeah. There's a lot of Sonic in this. Oh, my God. This is terrible use of Sonic. Ooh. However, though, it's the whole planet is, like, based on Sonic. Like, it's all... Everything's Sonic-coded and Sonic... Oh! Perfect (laughs) opportunity to use your Sonic screen. Oh, Neil Cross. And by the way, I... I, Not just now, but, like, five minutes ago, I just got it. Neil Cross. Oh. Neil Neil at the cross. Uh... Uh, I don't uh, think his name is a pun. I'm Apparently sure it is. I'm sure, I'm sure he never heard that in school. Like, you talk to his parents. Like, I'm pretty sure it's just a name. Dear Neil Cross's parents. <laughs> Wait, uh, hang on. 
Michael Ridgway. We, we will get Michael's back point. to yours in oh. just a moment. Okay. Wait, what were you saying about this thing? I've got to say, okay. Tom's a Sonic. Negative for me. I've got to say that it's not the frequency of the Sonic that annoys me in this episode. The, the doctor <laughs> appears know. to be putting his own energy into the Sonic's exertions. Like, like heavy. Yeah, like yeah. he is holding up the door by himself and the Sonic is just amplifying the force that he is exerting. Mm. That is complete bullshit. Yes, yeah, I don't like that either. Bullshit. No, I absolutely hate and that. And did he not, did he use it as a basically a gun? Like he was, he was... What? He, did he make a Sonic... There's, a, there's a the Sonic, Sonic boom element um, from the intro. Yeah, by he, the way, thank you, Jim. Vigil. Around people, he encapsulated yeah. people in Sonic. They, they took it, Didn't he? they took it a step too far and they went a step, a step too far because... He's fighting the vigil with the Sonic as a weapon. Yeah. And then we cut away and then we come back and they're like encasing a bubble. It's just like someone couldn't write a proper ending to that scene. It's like, oh, Sonic, Sonic does it. Yeah, Sonic screw the scene. Do that. Yeah. I'm dropping my rating down to 3.6. Oh, oh really? <laughs> oh, wait, is that actually happening? Yeah, because Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Overuse and misuse. Misuse of Sonic. I don't mind. Right, overuse. okay, fine. I'm changing this. 3.6 for you. Misuse. Yes, please. That's now official. That's canon. Good. That is canon. Good. Okay, let's get back so, to Michael Ridgway's review. Do you know what? I'm beginning to think we... Michael's review isn't everything that he <laughs> no, claims it no, to be. Can we just clarify that the start of all these points is things that could have been? Oh, really? Oh, oh Michael! Oh. Michael! Oh, Michael! You know what? You, 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 we think that you've disappointed, and then you turn it all around, and it turns out you freaking blew our minds. <laughs> Michael is too meta for everyone here but Jim. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jim, for alerting us to this. Yeah, which I, I didn't quite realize until this point, to be honest, because the last point I was thinking he was saying, oh, yeah, they had nice costumes, but actually... But he's, they did have he's nice... He's ragging all the costumes, dude. they did have nice costumes. What are you going on about, Michael? Yeah, what's your problem? What is your beef, Michael? <laughs> Michael. I guess, Michael, I don't believe that I actually seen you. <laughs> Sorry, punctuated by a hiccup. <laughs> Marie just stopped. Well, I expected someone to say beefs and I really... Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you. Let's right, get back okay. to Michael's review. No, no, I'm sorry. We need to start Michael's review again because I don't understand it anymore. Sure, he <laughs> said in brackets, two hours, 51 minutes. <laughs> no, carry on. We can, we've okay, got this. We'll carry on. Everyone else who is listening to this... Bear in mind, these are things that could have been. We didn't yes. get through the Sonic thing because I don't remember anyone saying shit sandwich. Good use of the Sonic by not opening unopenable doors or defeating alien heavies. The Song of Hope and Leaf finale. Beautiful, poignant, mesmerizing. I wretched buckets and nearly drowned in my tears of sadness slash joy. Mike has another point with satisfying closing scenes. The dog alien returning Clara's ring in gratitude for saving its world. It was a bit of a git to demand this in the first place, seeing the devastating impact events have on the races whose million-year-old religion has now collapsed, and the reveal that the great intelligence was behind the planet's awakening. Oh, there's the retcon rewrite we needed! Made so much sense to Wait. get access to all the Doctor's memories, my goodness. Oh, yes. yes. Holy smokes, that is the best retro rewrite to date. Bravo, bravo. Although, uh, they ham-fisted it in the last episodes. Uh, pushing my glasses up my nose so I say this. 
Uh, it's not the planet's awakening, it's the star's awakening. <laughs> Michael does continue with the Queen of Years failed attempt to sing to sleep a horde of rampaging robotic yetis who then clobbered her into pate was a brutal but brave move by the writers. Oh, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yes, I remember it vividly. Yeah, that was the highlight of 2013. Michael's next thing that could have been the epic post credit scene in a Chiswick Chaz Bar. Chiswick? Where the 11th meets the 7th Doctor. Paving the way for the 7th Doctor's triumphant return. In summary, says Michael, The Rings of a Curtain is the finest piece of television ever made. Anyone who disagrees is not only wrong, but most likely a racist or baby-eating devil worshipper. Probably both. (laughs) I agree, Michael. Michael continues, follows up, finishes, concludes with a rating of 5 out of 5 BAFTA rings was cheated out of in 2013. Oh, it's, wow. <laughs> it's a crime. It, it is. Michael, you know, we don't. Podcast Alarm doesn't. They can chat to you if they want, though. They Ooh. can reach they, out. How would they chat to Michael? Reach out to Michael on Twitter. He can be found at bad underscore movie underscore club. <laughs> Next up, we've got Keel Harris. Hey, Keel, Keel. <laughs> Hi, Keel. What up, Keel? <laughs> Keel says, hello, guys and girls. What in the world is going on with this season of Doctor Who? No wonder I can't remember it. <laughs> this season kills the Matt Smith era in the Doctor ranking. What? Oh, wow. Oh, no. Not all his fault. The only Doctor giving worse material was Colin Baker. Possibly true. I don't know. Haven't seen any you haven't of it. You haven't got there yet. No. Now for the good, says Keel. The singing was nice. <laughs> oh. Now for the bad. There is lines. Don't take all the lines. <laughs> shit loads of lines. All oh, right, sorry. Okay. Give, give it to Jim. The whole thing. Keel, you sure? You sure? It's not really good. Keel elaborates. So, the Doctor is the hero for once when he gives his memories. Yet it's Clara who's got to come in and save the day. The Doctor's memories, and he's about... 2,000 years old, a less powerful than a leaf? The Doctor stalking Clara, continues Keel. She remembers that he stalked her, and she doesn't run out of that TARDIS fast. I get he's trying to solve the Clara mystery, but at the same time, the Doctor has always had standards. Better if you take the Doctor out of the first 10 minutes and just have Clara telling the Doctor as a flashback. Ooh. She remembers him at the funeral. Yes, she does. But what Keel is saying is does that she? there should be a retro oh, yes, rewrite. she does. Where the Doctor and the Clara actually bother to bond <laughs> the Clara. over, over Cla- 
Clara sharing with him yeah. a precious memory. Yeah, rather than him stealing it from her. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Or just have the doctor wear some sort of disguise or at the very <laughs> least change coats between stalking yeah. endeavors. Like, Does he not have another coat in there? Yeah, I've seen your the- wardrobe. It's huge. <laughs> the, the bad continues with never good when the sonic screwdriver is made out to be the doctor's weapon or a crutch. Uh, good. It was used in a good way when opening the door, but bad when he uses it for the whole episode. Yeah. And Keel finishes with, how did the Doctor get the ring back? Is he breaking the time laws again? I don't buy the explanation, nor do I think we are supposed to. And Keel concludes with a rating, which I approve of, of 0.7. (laughs) So keep the booze flowing and the who glowing. That's right. And Keel, we absolutely did today. My goodness. If you have no idea. If ever your prophecy came true, Keel, (laughs) this was it. Keel prophesied that we that I would have given this 1.2 because of the kid actor. Mm-hmm. You know what? That's a fair theory, but it didn't come true. Jim, 2.4. It's not far off, you know. Fairly far off. Oh. Drew, 2.1. Nope. Nope, indeed. And Marie, 2.6. Nope. 3.6. <laughs> oh, Keel, if you don't know me by now. <laughs> Close but no cigar, Keel. People who are not Keel. You can follow Keel on Twitter. Say hello to Keel. At Mass FL Panthers. That's FL, not FI. Thank you very much, Keel. He clarifies <laughs> L as in lousy as this episode. Oh. Bazinga. Next up, we've got Tracy from, from America. America. Hey, folks. Tracy begins. How is everyone doing? Take your time. Drew. We have. We've taken our time. <laughs> yep. Three hours nine so far. <laughs> yep. Marie's here. Leon. Is Jim and Hello. Thomas? Yes. Yes, he is. He is. Of course he is. Yes, yes that's course me. Course he is. Have you not been paying attention, Drazy? <laughs> oh, lovely Jim. <laughs> now let's talk about Clara Prime's first off-world adventure. I want to like this one, says Tracy. I really do. It starts out really promising with clearly a healthy budget for costume and set design. Mm -mm. I love the concepts here. The idea of stories having some psychic energy that gives them value. Music as sustenance. The never-ending song which must be taken up generation after generation. The soul of a person as their stories. This is such powerful stuff. But, Tracy continues, the pacing is all wrong. It's unclear what danger they are truly in at any given time. Lack of even a hand-wavy explanation means we are not clearly introduced to the sci-fi mechanism behind any of this. Hence, we don't really know what's going on as Mary Galell tries to sacrifice herself, as the Doctor tries to sacrifice himself, and as Clara ultimately sacrifices... a leaf... In short, this one begins very promising and somehow falls flat. (laughs) That's not flat, that's a bit kind of chewy. I've just seen the PS. And Tracy gives us a rating of waking up on an air mattress. You swore there were no holes in, but you were mistaken. And now your back hurts. Maybe it's because I'm drunk, but this is the first rating of Tracy's I truly understand. (laughs) This makes perfect sense, Tracy. (laughs) And she adds in P.S. I don't know if I should read this out. No, I think um, I should. P.S. Could Leon please mispronounce the rings of a Gordon? Gordon? Some more. 
It's adorable. What, the rings of a curtain? Oh, the rings of a curtain. You're adorable, oh, Leah. Oh, I'm adorable. Adorable. You're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> when you say the rings of a curtain. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tracy. People who are not Tracy, you can follow Tracy on Twitter. Tracy can be found at Yeah, yeah can't yet enough. That's Fountain Tracy backwards almost. Thank you very much, Tracy. From America. <laughs> and that's it as far as listener minis are concerned. Thank you everyone for sending that in. Next up, we have a classic Who episode, namely... The Brain of Morbius. That's right. After which we have a new Who episode, namely... Cold War. That's right. <gasps> Ice Warriors. <laughs> mm. On a submarine. Yeah. Very yeah. cool stuff. In the meantime, you can probably say hello to us on Twitter. Marie, are you on Twitter? No. Okay. Jim, are you on Twitter? Yes, I am actually. Jimmy the Who. Jimmy the what? Jimmy the Who. That's right. Drew? You can embroil yourself in my tweety brew haha at Drew back when. Excellent Brandon. And I am Aunt Ponkin. Inconceivably so. Figure it out. Less excellent branding, I have to say. Definitely. <laughs> P-O-N-K-E-N. Ponkin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honoured. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. You've been a lovely audience. Until the next time, rock on. And cha-chao. Bye-bye. The, uh... Ciao-ciao. Toodles. Love you, Michael. <laughs> Kablamo. Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind-the-scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao ciao. Who back when?